love again But it's the only way you're ever gonna learn your luck back And it's all in the past Good evening and welcome to NUFC Matters. It is Friday night and it is Three Amigos night and uh, it is a big welcome as always to Mitch, to Steve Hasty, and to Keith Patterson who's becoming a, a bit of a regular face on a Friday night. People enjoying being on. He likes coming on. So welcome again to you, Keith. Good to see Cheers. you, mate. Thanks and I see you've got your cool T-shirt on, which NUFCMatters.com. I was the original. I was the first one, so I thought I would uh, I would tell well, you. Were, you were, you were, you were. I, but, I you were the biggest cult on the tw- on the timeline. I can see the resemblance between you and uh, and and the band singing. You know, I, I can just see you up there singing. Seashells, fancy. You know, it's brilliant. What are we really? Keith, thank you very much. I mean, really? to be honest, Keith, that T-shirt was doing quite well until uh, till um, John brought out his latest one, which is the NCSL T-shirt, which I see has had a bit of criticism this uh, this fine day on Twitter. Yeah, of um, trolls, of trolls, from trolls, yeah, from trolls. Yeah, but trolls. it's actually it's actually doing really well. John says it's it's the best, best. selling T-shirt. <laughs> He's no, never Matt, done as many T-shirts uh, as he has of that NCSL one. And so fantastic. a big thank you to all the trolls for, for bringing it to everyone's attention. <laughs> and uh, I think what we'll have to do is anyone who's sitting at home listening, um, although I've, I'm doing that social media ban until Sunday on Twitter, um, you know, to, to back the uh, the campaign, um, please feel free. Uh, to inbox us the photographs of you wearing these T-shirts. And I think next week, well, if you've got a cult T-shirt or if you've got an NCSL T-shirt, ping them over between now and next week and we'll get you on We'll get you on the show on Friday. Just um, we'll give you a shout-out. So that'll be great yeah. if you can do that. Big shout-out to John, though, from QTech. Um, some great some great ideas. And big congratulations to, to Keith as well because um, the Mystic Mag T-shirt went for 350 in total. Um, we had uh, two wonderful donations, and I, I've got to make sure I get this right because um, I was under the impression it was one bid, but it's actually not. It's uh, it's a couple of people. So, of course, we've got George from uh, the USA, um, who was the first person to bid, and and he essentially paid three hundred quid midweek um, and said, "I'm donating that to the food bank, regardless of whether I win the T-shirt or not." Um, and Gary Mails. Uh, chucked in 50 quid. So that T-shirt, Mystic Mag, has raised £350 on its own for the food bank. Wow. Unbelievable. Uh, thank you very much, guys. Um, that, that's just amazing. And I mean, I'm sure, Steve, next week you might be able to get us some kind of subtotal as to where we're at um, yeah, for next week. Because I know we were hedging towards two grand. It'd be nice to know whether we hit wow. that mark. And um, no, listen, that's what it's all about. Great stuff. So, that's without- great. Can I just say, Steve, that, that's yeah. brilliant because that £350 supplementing the virtual bucket that we've had running every match day, which obviously, again, you mentioned the social media blackout. The lads have blacked out and uh, blanked the the, the, uh, the the fans' food bank website this weekend. They're not going to be broadcasting anything from it. But we have left the virtual bucket uh, facility there so people can donate as they would on normal match days so they can still follow the same routine, still go at the website. But without things like this, you know, the, the, it's it's really a struggle because you know, obviously we're not turning up at the match. And hopefully, uh, we might talk about later on, hopefully we might get fans in grounds sooner rather than later. But big thank you to everybody and, and the two guys who donated, Steve. It's absolutely tremendous. 
Yeah, George, fantastic. I mean, he was the one who bid, I think, the 180 quid to buy my T-shirt as well. So, I mean, that's nearly £500 from George for the food bank in less than two weeks. So, uh, that's amazing. NUSC food, uh, fans, foodbank.co.uk, as Steve has just talked about there, the match day bucket. Uh, that's your way of being able to donate money to the uh, food bank on a match day. So, uh, on Sunday, stick in any loose change, but do it virtually. Uh where do we start then tonight, lads? Um, got so much, got all my regular features. Uh, inundated with lookalikes, by the way. And um, we're going to have to go through a few of them because they're starting to mount up on my phone. Um, Mitch sent one. And I've got to be honest, the one that Mitch sent quite tame to one of the... Some of the ones we've been sent this week. Oh. And uh, some of the tweets of the week, as always, start rolling in. Um, and we've also got the cat. Troll of the week. It'll be uh, will be here. We've got uh, Stato, uh, Andrea with his look ahead to the Arsenal game, of course. And uh, big thanks to Joe Walker for sending us the odds. Uh, we will have his own little. Uh, he's going to have his own little section him, I think, uh, for doing this. So uh, he's got the odds uh, for this weekend's game. So we'll be looking towards uh, the end of the game for that. Um, as always, we'll try and get as many uh, comments up and running as possible, and, and we, we use them as well to, to, to set us on our way. Wherever you want to take the show on a Friday night, that's what we tend to do. It's, it's like being in the pub; any conversation goes. Um, Craig, we'll give you the we'll give you the honour of going first. You were the first on, apart from a troll who had the block. Uh, Craig says, uh, according to Lee Ryder, arbitration won't start in the summer. Um, as soon as you start, according to Lee Ryder, I, I did lose interest, Craig, um, and might not be finished before the new season. So it looks like we will start season with, with Ashley in charge. What do you all think? Okay, Mitch. Um, look, me and Lee are good pals, have been for years. Um, I don't think he's had his finger on the pulse as much as other journalists have with this takeover. Liam, um, George Colgan, you know, certainly the ones that people seem to turn to as far as written journalists are concerned. Um, Lee, I don't think, has been as interactive, shall we say, with the takeover. So, not sure what Lee would know about this, but he may have an exclusive. He may have a source. What's your take, Mitch? Depends who's got his ear, but the bottom line is, is nobody knows and everybody's guessing. And this is the for me, the best bit of this entering into this phase is we're not getting little snippets and leaks and whispers and people talking because they can't. None of them can. And and they're at a situation where nobody can say a thing until certain things are satisfied and conditions are satisfied. It's not like we're getting stuff chucked out and chucked around that, that they can start little whisper campaigns and... and, and you know, beaver in the corner and, and try and distract or um, try and persuade or bend opinion their way. Um, nobody knows, and it's great. It, it, it's absolutely great because that's the way it should be. Once you're at this that stage, shouldn't be talked about outside of that room. They could be halfway through it for all anybody knows. And so, therefore, um, I, I think they assume that it's we're going to have another long summer. I think you've got to assume the worst and hope for the best. And I think that's the attitude we should have as a fan base, really, at this point now. Um, but um, I, I can't see how anybody can say definitively, definitively rather, where, when something is going to start, because nobody knows. OK, Steve, your take on that? Yeah, I mean, we, we've said from... For what a couple of months now, when when people started talking about the arbitration process, and when the word came out that you know the the club had 
taken the case forward and had tried to remove or to, to change the person who was going to be chairing it. From that moment onwards, we said, yes, there'll be movement, but we'll not hear anything until it's done and dusted. Um, and like Mitch, we hear, we hear various things, probably like, like, uh, like, like Ryder's has heard there. Um, you know, I might have got a snippet from somebody. Neil, you hear things from the Middle East. I hear things from similar locations. Um, we heard some. We've had some fantastic ones this week uh, in the back end of last week. That you know, when we when we sort of asked the relevant questions, we realised that we're actually coming from four different directions, but all from the same source. And as soon as you found out who the right. source, you went, "Well, that, that blows that one out the water." Then you know, the guy at the chip shop on Chili Road or whatever. Um, so that's 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 the nature of of us. I mean. It's it, it it is it's long it's drawn out this arbitration process there may be other processes going on I don't know um, I think we've all got an opinion and um, the one thing as somebody just said there we've, we've all remained positive um, within the within the, the confines of the three amigos show all the way along we've been confident in the process we've, we haven't been confident in Masters we haven't been confident in Hoffman we weren't confident in the in the six we know what's happened to to the six uh, in terms of their representation in the Premier League board um, or in the executive um, duties that they were performing. And now the pressure's on Masters and Hoffman. So uh, you've got it, you've got, you've got it coming in two directions. Now you've got the arbitration process and you've got what's going on internally with the 14 clubs who are probably now controlling the power base. And I think that's the dynamic that we're going to start to see playing out. Barry Hogan says, Lee Ryder's breaking news. Sources say the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia group are still interested in coming back to the table if Newcastle win their arbitration case against the Premier League. Right. Well, you, know what would, you know what I would say to that, Steve? It's not the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia group. It's, it's the Public Investment Fund of Saudi Arabia. Well, it looks like he's copy and pasted that as well, Barry. Yeah, so, it, it, you know. Um, and, and, but that's what I would say. It's, it's, there's... We've had this argument for, for months now. People, you know, you put one word in front of something or one word behind something and it changes the whole emphasis. And we've seen that happen this week on a number of, of platforms. Yeah. And you've got to be very careful how you word things and, and that type of thing. And that particular one, I would say be precise if, if you're a journalist, be precise and talk about the consortium led by PCP, the Rubens and the Public Investment Fund of Saudi Arabia. Not the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia. Not yeah. the sovereign state of Saudi Arabia. You so, know, these so, the message, some... so the message is, think before you twat. I mean tweet. <laughs> <laughs> think before you type. <laughs> okay. Keith, uh, God, you've been getting pelters again this week, lad. Uh, you're misleading the fans. Yeah, yeah. I wish people would just listen to what you say. I think half the problem is people yeah. want to want to hear positive news, and the the, the they just team they just seem to pick out the best bits. And when you yeah. say there's going to be an announcement, um, you know, people are thinking, right? Okay, he's coming to Liam. It's going to be on Tuesday show. We never said that. Um, we said that you were going to give an exclusive to Liam. But it would be, you know, released in, you know, at, at the appropriate time when yeah. he was allowed to. When and I think, yeah, exactly. And that this is the problem with social media. It spreads, it spreads like wildfire, and there's absolutely nothing you can do about it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's good to be on here because a lot of fans on here don't suffer the Twitter um, campaigns. Um, but it, it's it's good to put everything down on the record. It is what happened is I got a call um, last Thursday. Um, and it was to confirm an event that had happened 
not, a, not to predict something that was going to happen, it was a confirmed event. Um, I spoke to various people and it was decided that I would do a, a, a media release on that. Um, people then um, said, to us, I mean, think about it. I got it on Thursday. Um, I come on the show on Friday and on Friday I said, I'll release it through Liam Kennedy, exclusively through him. And then people the next day said, is it the takeover? <laughs> what do you think I am? Do you think if I knew the takeover was happening on Thursday, I'd wait till Friday show to come on to say I was going to give the Liam, then I'd give the Liam for next week? I'd, I'd, I'd be, I'd be, you wouldn't, I wouldn't be able to speak. If, it was, if, if I got known that on Thursday, I'd be found in some river, drunk on, a, on the Friday. So I wouldn't be holding the story off. No, I think, how long could you hold the takeover off and say, look, I tell you these lads, let's, let's do it on Wednesday for the, the, re, the, 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 the repro show. Let's, let's, let's keep it. When the takeover comes, like, like the club and the buyers, Amanda Murdad, Jamie Rubin, they're going to be as, they're going to be up, they're going to be up there with us. They're going to be absolutely buzzing. So it was never going to be that, but, but it was significant news. Um, I met Liam Kennedy on Monday, spent six hours with him, as he told you on the show on Tuesday, and, and I gave him the story. So Liam's got that story, lock, stock and barrel, and it's all been written. It's been back and forwards and it's ready to go. I've asked to race it on Wednesday, um, Thursday, and today, and each time being told no. Um, so that in itself tells you that I don't control everything. I think people think I'm just a one-man band. But apart from running the action we ran and apart from doing NCSL, I also do other things which I can't talk about. And, and as Liam says, they'll come out in the end, what I have been doing. Um, I think Mitch is saying some evidence today. Mitch is saying evidence today where some of the things I've been doing has been well-received by people on the side of the takeover, but not well-received by people who trying to stop the takeover. Is that right, Mitch? So you've seen... Uh, yeah, no, yeah, yeah. So, so yeah. Basically, basically, I've been mentioned by name, um, certain Mr. Patterson, I, I think I'm called now, which <laughs> is good because last week I was the biggest wanker on Twitter. So if I've promoted to be surname, that's not so bad. But um, it, it, it's... It's an open move. <laughs> it, it's... it's I, can, I can only say what I'm allowed to say. Um, I talk to solicitors <clears throat> every day of my life. So since August, August the 5th, when I wrote the... Richard Masters, there's not a day gone past when I haven't spoken to a solicitor in a day. I've not had a day. I know people think I just wrote one letter, but I actually thought of that. And sometimes when you get information, um, you've got to get it cleared off. You've got to get it approved. But sometimes if you do stuff and it's released, sometimes the people it's released to might not want it to come out. And right as it stands today, if I was a guessing man, I would say that... Um, the people the information will harm or hurt the most already know about the information and they will be probably given the choice of trying to stop it coming out. Um, it's, 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 you know, it's not, it's not, it's not anything underhand. It's, it's all legitimate and it's commercial and it's, um, it's geared towards getting the takeover done. But, um, if, if I, people, you know, I, get, I got a DM yesterday with the bloke saying, can, can you give us it first? Cause I want to do a video about it. And, and I'd, I'd, I'd get my balls cut off if I did it. You know, I've signed confidentiality agreements and I can't just release stuff. When I put stuff out to you on here, I, my purpose, one of my purposes in this is to update fans on stuff that I can and usually that's stuff that's in the public domain. And that's what I've tried to do all the way through. So I, I released the Spurs story and I've released a, a lot more since. But last Thursday night, um, I got a source that told me, an, an impeccable source, that Masters and Hoffman were 
aware of the ESL move. You know, let, let's, let's see if it's true or not. And I was given that last Thursday night. So if you go back to my tweets last Thursday and Friday, you'll see I, I did an awful lot of copy um, about Masters and Hoffman. And I just said, what I want to know is, when did they know? And I put it out there and I put it out to several people and, the, and it got wings. And it seems this week, I saw an interview with Gary, uh, Gary Neville and somebody else, it seems as though that story is gathering momentum. And the, the rumour that's gone out there now, which I don't, you know, I can't confirm, is that uh, Masters was going to work for the ESL if it, if, it, if it went ahead. I put that out last Thursday and last Friday. And yesterday, a week later, I've got a bloke on Twitter saying, the story Keith Patterson doesn't want to put out because he's not allowed to speak is this. And I'm thinking, Really? So he, he, he's put an exclusive out that he's got the story. It's about Masters Hoffman. That was nothing to do with what I was putting out. What I was going to put out, I think, would have made tea time news. But they won't let us put it out yet. And I think if it goes out, it'll be after Tuesday next week. I think the blackout will stop anything going out. And I was told that now's not the time to put it out. Whatever happens, it will come out in time because Liam's got it. So it'll come out if it comes out Liam's book. But it'll, it'll come out when it can come out. But on everything I do is get the one thing and one thing only, and that's getting a takeover. I don't apologise for that, you know. Like, uh, like I know I don't please everybody all the time, but I'm here just to um, be effective, and 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 I, I can measure how effective I am because I'm the one the trolls hate the most. I'm the one reporters hate the most. I'm the biggest wanker on Twitter, so I must be having a hell of an impact on a lot of people. I may have took a lot of titles off Steve this week. Yeah, have you? It's been absolutely fantastic. Um, it's allowed me to get on with my life, and uh, you know, I've had a peaceful week compared to you, mate. It's, like I, when I come on here in August, I was unheard of. Steve Wraith had this juggle going around for for you know a couple of years, but. I saw one article of somebody who, who, who christened, who actually made this name up. Because I decided as one fan, um, I was going to form something called the Castle Consortium Supporters uh, with Gordon Steen and, and have a go at the Premier League. Um, he called us a cult. Well, there's only two of us, so probably a pair of cults. But then he turns around this week and says, if there's two people could come off Twitter, needs to get off Twitter, two people will make Twitter a better place, Steve Wraith and Keith Patterson. And, and that, you know what that says to me? Them two having the most effect. I mean, it's, well, it, it's, it's like an endorsement. You're like giving us a stamp all the time. This little the biggest belief, me. that's all I'll yeah. say. Yeah, but, but, but I'm a nobody and I was unheard of in August. But in that short space of time, I've risen at the top of your hit league. And I tell you what, keep going. The, the biggest selling T-shirt ever on this show is the one with my mugshot on. And the, the biggest selling T-shirt is the NCSL one. You know, I know fifteen pounds a lot, but why didn't fifty euro, fifteen euro trials put a pound in each and get one, and then like praise it? For, you know, the yeah, I, I mean, look for me, for me, uh, it's it's water off a duck's back. That's that's part and parcel of it. I, I've said it millions of times on here. Put your head above the parapet. It's there to be shot at. Um, you know, let we'll all be judged at the end of this process. We'll yeah. see who's we'll see who's you know see who's talking about what then. And 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 like I said, if the takeover didn't go through, yes, we'll all be disappointed. But the main thing is that Mitch, Steve, me and you and Liam will all be able to then say, well, this is exactly what happened. Here's the timeline. This yeah. is what happened. Without and this is help. why we why we are so confident on that date. This is yeah. why. We can we will be able to openly speak about it and divulge information. I've not signed any confidentiality clauses. Neither's Mitch, neither Steve. Uh, and I'll tell you I what, am. it'll be you have, but uh, from my perspective, I'll 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 tell everybody exactly what's gone on and who was involved. So you know, from my perspective, 
um, I can't wait for the day that it's resolved because it'll be like Me a huge too. weight off my shoulders and we'll be able to crack on and move on. And uh, I'm afraid these other people who constantly have a pop, I can't believe it, Mitch, that there's people in the fan base who don't want it to go ahead and, and are actively working mm. against it whilst putting a face on to say that they wanted to go. Yeah, it's just ludicrous. It really is. And, and you said something to me on more than one occasion and to Steve and to Keith in, in our WhatsApp group. And mm. that is, um, I sometimes wonder whether our fan base actually deserve this takeover. And I tell you what, you're right because, you know, there's so many, so many people just have their own agendas and are working towards some kind of, some kind of goal. I don't know what it is. I don't know why they don't want the takeover um, unless their politics is, is heavily weighed against what they believe is going on in Saudi Arabia or, or whatever. But it's the whole thing just really gets on my wick. Like, it really does. And I just want to see the football team taking over, the football club taking over and, and go to the next level, you know. And we're talking the retro show week in, week out about glory days and Keegan and, you know, um, Peter Beardsley and, and Alan Shearer and Ferdinand and all that. And from my perspective, that's all I want. I want a chance to compete at the top level and before I die. I want to see Newcastle win a trophy before I die. That's that's all I want, Mitch. You know what I mean? It's not too much to ask, is it? No, it isn't. And, and, and part of us understands why some people are absolutely um, morally conflicted. Um, I've, 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 I've seen it. I've, I've seen it in this region. Um, uh, the, there's a there's a lad I speak to on Twitter sometime who's uh, caught in the, the middle of the shenanigans in Libya, um, and he's on the opposite side, as it were, to the to, to the side being fed by or being supplied and supported by Saudi and the UAE. So how does he feel? You know that that's a true. Dilemma. I get people who genuinely feel that they um, cannot support the Saudi anything Saudi back. I, I do understand it. Um, I got this sometimes when we were setting the trust up, and Steve, Steve would tell you when we were doing the roadshows, going out and talking to fans across the region, how frustrating it was sometimes that for some people, the default setting is just to immediately criticise. And, and and belittle what you're trying to do when good people are given time and effort and just trying their best as as, as ordinary fans like everybody else um, to try and do what they can um, and it frustrates life out of us that if, if you really don't like what somebody's doing why can't you just ignore it yeah I'll block them just 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 ignore it yeah. I've actually said to one individual on Twitter a few, few couple of months ago now uh, who kept having a pop and kept having a dig, would never name us in a, in a tweet, but you'd know who you was referring to quite obviously. And I said, do yourself a favour, unfollow us. What do you follow us for? Do yourself a favour, unfollow us, block us, mute us, whatever you want to do. Just don't <clears throat> listen. You give yourself more better sleeps at night. Than worrying about this idiot gobshite in the, in the desert, it was, you know, it, it really is super frustrating sometimes. And and and, and I got a, I got a bit of that this week, where I'm like, there's so much going on that if people knew how much was going on, they'd be surprised. Still, um, you know, we we don't come on here to make shit up. I, I couldn't be asked, 
And genuinely, some of the stuff that me and Steve get on a regular basis, you couldn't make up. Or if it was written by Peter Kay, it would be an award-winning comedy. Hmm. You know, and, 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 and you think, what the hell? I mean, I'm, I'm hearing Keith talking about Masters and Hoffman. I tell you the other name that still keeps coming into the pictures, Parry, at the Football League. Yeah. He's, he's piping up this week saying, oh, well, let's go back and revisit Project Big Picture. Then. <laughs> you know, what, what's in it for him for doing that? Um, and he's another one that I wouldn't be surprised if he wasn't well aware of what was going on because of his connections to Liverpool Football Club. Um, I've been pointed in his direction by somebody who's got good contacts at the Football League saying, I bet you he would have been involved in the Super League as well. And so it's the same names doing the same thing. And of course, what they're doing as football administrators, they're going to be wanting to jockey themselves into where the money is and where would the money have been, Super League. There's, some, there's somebody I was going to say to you there, which is, is like, in these campaigns, what I've noticed, because I'm new to this, um, is we, you sometimes get dragged down with people who try and stop the takeover. People, you know, There's a lot of mention of those people. But for the people, we've got to put in perspective that, that it is 99 to 1. I mean, the amount of people yeah. that, that back this, like a bloke in America sends £180 to Steve last week and £300 to me this week, £480. And he lives. He lives in the states. Um, going to meet him when he comes back over. But it's them people that we should be fighting for. Um, and 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 to, for, for all you people out there that, that come on, and um, and you, and you, you know, I'll I'll let you dial into where I've been this week. I've explained earlier that I talk to a solicitor every day, and and that's the solicitor that looks after me, um, and and checks everything I do and makes sure I get to, gets it right so I don't get myself in any trouble. And I was talking to him and Liam, which are the only two people that. I've, shared this 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 um this news with because that's all I could share it with. I had to get the press involved. And then people were even telling us, why didn't you share it with Henry Winter? Because I don't know the bloke and I can't trust him. But there's Liam's got the story and he's not releasing it. He's waiting for permission. Liam would love to release it. Liam's gonna, you know, Liam's gonna have masses and masses of, of exposure when it gets released. But both Liam and him, both Liam and the solicitor said this this week, I half hope you don't release it. And I said, really? And so Liam and him have both said this week, oh, I'm half hoping it doesn't come out because it might mean something else. And so, so you know, when, you, when, when, that, when that's said, and this is, these are lads like you, you know, where, you know where Liam is. Liam would rather not have a best-selling article that's TV news material because he wants the takeover to move further forward. How many more reporters is like that? So when you meet Matt so-and-so and you meet all these people that's sitting there, when you, when you read an article from a reporter in Newcastle that says, when I release this article, you can forget about the takeover forever. Oh, my God, how big an agenda is that? How, mm. how much determination has that man got to pee on all the conflicts of 100,000 fans? But Liam would sacrifice a great story and he says, I hope it doesn't go out. It's good news if it goes out. And I think if it goes out, we'll all go, wow. <laughs> you know, we'll all go, hmm. I know whose side I want to be on. But if it doesn't go out, there's every chance that something even better could be happening. I don't know. Because, because just like Mitch said at the start, there's so much confidentiality in this. And when you're trying to get a deal with somebody that doesn't like you, you the confidentiality between the club and the EPL is massive. And who breaks what? You saw what happened when the EPL broke that news to me that there's a club action. 
the club went straight to television and uh, and it went out it went viral so with this there's two two people who I trust um a solicitor and a, and, and, a, and a guy called Liam Kennedy both saying they're not too bothered if my story doesn't break Liam said to me I hope it does break for you Keith I hope it breaks for you because then everyone will know more than what you're about and what you've been doing but um they half open that maybe it not coming out could signify that progress has been made. People has put comments on here earlier in the scene about arbitration and Lee Ryder says it's not happening this summer. The truth of arbitration is it's governed by the club as to how quick that runs now because the club have got to decide A, do they want to appeal and B, when it's going to start up again. Personally, there's a, there's a, there's a warped side of my brain at the minute saying the arbitration is going to be run in a committee where the club aren't comfortable with all three people and they're uncomfortable with the chair. And I think the arbitration brings risk. I think the arbitration gives the opportunity for a two-on-one vote um, whereby it doesn't necessarily go our way. I think the only thing the arbitration is going to vote on is separation. And I'm certain from what I've seen that separation would be proven. So I don't see the arbitration losing. However, if you want to be a certain banker, you might think there's another way to do this um, to do this agreement that, that takes the risk out, and they might be delaying the arbitration on purpose. So I can't say everything I know, but what I, what I, and what I don't want to do, mislead fans. What I want to say to you is, is is sometimes no use is good news, and if next week I get the nod to do the release I was going to do, um, that to me is a massive statement, and it will show the seriousness and how much uh, we want to win this case, but. Um, the, the, you know, I think the one thing that Steve didn't touch on is he said, when Steve Ray spoke earlier, you talked about what we do and what we haven't done and how the five of us with Liam can look at the end and back what we did. Because we'll all be on record and we'll all come out and say exactly, we'll tell you what happened on different dates. I'll, I'll, I'll certainly tell you. But I think the one thing all five of us do is we look in the mirror that night and say, I did my best. I never yeah. told them guys. I never did, did. Our best, did our best for the club. We didn't do yes. the best for ourselves. For this has all been for the, this has all been to try and help in whatever way yeah. we can to help yeah. this takeover go through. That's that's been our main motivation for putting my head above the parapet and getting involved. People ask me why why did I just do this show and how did I end up on this show? And it, it's pretty obvious. Like I got involved in this with one incentive to do a takeover. I went and contacted sellers and buyers to make sure they're all up for it before I spent anything. And then I did it. Me and Gordon set the way of doing it. I mean, I've been speaking to Gordon today. He's back in touch. He's back on side with me now. Um, and, and we just wanted to know that we weren't going to be wasting our time and money and effort by doing it. Why have I ended up with these? Because it, it's a no-brainer, really. I knew Steve Hastie from years back, and I knew Mitch. And, and I found the people who talk the same language as I talk, the people who are proactive, they don't lie, despite you know what some people like to say. And and these people are just out for the takeover. Like your Liam Kennedy's of the world, sacrifice a story that you'll make Time News television to get a takeover. That's how unselfish can you be? How more of a Newcastle fan than a journalist is he? And he spent six hours, you know, with me, put the story together. Yet he said, Poor, he says, it'll not go out until you lads say it's gotta go out. And 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 Liam Kennedy and you three are the easiest four people to team up with if you're pro takeover. And, you know, it affords me some protection because I don't watch me back with yous like I would with other people. 
And I read social media and everybody says, if you want honest, straightforward news without any bullshit, and they'll put down, go to Old Etonian, go to Johnny Dentist, go to Steve Wraith, go to Liam Kelly, and now they're putting NCSL in the same group. So call us what you want, but we, we, we are blatantly tattooed and stick a rock, take over. Yeah, and I mean, look, I blocked most of them on, on Twitter. You know, I had my reasons um, for, for unblocking them and then doing the documentary thing before you tweet last year. And that was for my own sanity and because of what was happening to some of the girls who used to be on the show, you know. People like Sav were getting um, harassed and harangued by the same group of people. And, you know, we've been through all this. The viewers don't need to go through this all yeah. again. But that's why I unblocked them. They're all blocked again now. Um, yeah, they've, they've set up new accounts, etc. And, you know, the, the, the followers from the those accounts. I can't stop that because I don't know which, which accounts they've got, but they're not attacking us on those accounts. As soon as they start attacking us on those accounts, I just block them as well. And it and it's made my social media experience a hell of a lot better. Is, yeah. um, you know, and, and, and for me, I haven't got time in the day to be worried about people like that. I don't actually worry about anybody who criticises us on social media because it's not the real world. Um, if somebody comes up to me face and has a pop, then I can have a, a debate with them and, you know, I either change their opinion or, you know, I don't. But at least that's the real world. That's when you do start to have a bit of, you know, concern if somebody's going to come up and be aggressive with you as as aggressive as, as they are in the street as, as they would be online. That's a completely different thing. Happy to say, touch wood, that that doesn't happen as much as you would think. You know, um, you know, I've, I've probably had one or two heated arguments, but then when you put your point across or when people actually hear what you've got to say and listen to your side of the story, which 99.9% .9 of people will do, then actually I've won a lot of people over. They might not agree with what I have to say, but... They've, you know, they've gone, well, actually, you're not as big a knacker as I thought you were. And I can, and I can go, well, that's fair enough, and shake people's hands and walk off, you know. Um, I've been labelled I've been labeled everything um, over this last 12 months, you know. Being, but whenever I, get it, whenever I get attacked or if I get labelled with something which I find offensive, i.e. being called a racist, then that is something where I respond, and I responded to it my own way by interviewing Tommy Robinson, something I don't regret doing because ultimately I was being blackmailed by a journalist for, for want of a better way of describing it. And for me, I did what I had to do to clear my name. Couldn't give a monkeys what anybody else thought. Couldn't give a monkeys whether people felt they had to fall on their sword because of some kind of moral stance. I did that to protect my skin, to protect my credibility and to protect my back and my good name, which I've worked hard to get in this community. And that's what I'm going to do. And it's still going on. I've had to address another organisation this week um, about something which I'd been told by um, another one of our good friends. And that's now, you know, that's now in the hands of that particular organisation. Again, you know, it's it, that kind of stuff isn't very nice and that kind of stuff does affect us. And, you know, Rile me at your, you know, your peril, really, because if you get me on something where I've got a point to make, then I'm coming back at you and, you know, I'll come back at you 10 times more. And um, that's what I've done. But, you know, look, that's that's just the way life is, unfortunately. And it's not just Newcastle United, it's everything. You know, I, I've learned that in my 49 years on this planet. Um, there's backstabbers in every industry. doesn't matter whether it's the music industry, whether it's the professional boxing industry or the unlicensed boxing industry, whether it's Newcastle United, whatever it is, there's always somebody out to stab you in the back. If you work at Greg's, if you work at the bingo, if you work down the local social club, somebody will be ready to stab you in the back about the hours that you're working because they wanted them or who gets the day off. It's, you know, that's just human nature.
And I think that only comes, you only really start to wake up to that as you get a bit older and a bit wiser. Do you know what I mean? Steve, you've seen it. I mean, you know, you again, like all of us have, been the victim of, you know, rubbish on social media. But again, it's just been a, a cataclysmic fallout amongst certain people. Some people just going, you know, going off on one. Um, you know, somebody's mentioned Burnsy. I mean, you know, we've we've had Burnsy on the show. We've had Burnsy. We've had Burnsy on the. We've had Burnsy. Yeah, but look, he's he's a, he's you know he's a nice. I've actually met the kid. He's a nice lad. We did the thing before your tweet documentary. But he's but Stevie's gone off on one this week for for whatever reason. And I, I just I just feel I feel at times. You know, do, do people do this just to get a reaction? Are they, are they doing it because they're not thinking? Have they had a couple of pints and maybe he's not really thought about it? Do they wake up the next morning and go, God, I wish I hadn't done that? I, I just don't know why people put themselves in that position because you, you you waste two or three hours of your day, you know, then having to respond, uh, respond to anything. And you either you've got two choices. You either stand by what you've said originally, right, even though you don't believe it, or you, you do feel that way, and, and you just continue in the same way, and you've clearly got more time than you know than than sense to go on social media and defend it. But you know, he's he's one person. I can think of at least another fifty in the last week who've done exactly the same. He's 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 seven people actually, if the truth be known. It's <laughs> <laughs> a different matter, isn't it? Well, you know, is um, is a man or a woman? Uh, well, it's a man, good. and he's a good he look. He's a good lad. I've met yeah. him. As I say, yeah. look, I, I've. He's, you want to watch the thing before your tweet documentary, guys. It's on. It's on uh, Amazon Prime. It's on. It's on the channel as well. But you know, he's on there, and you know, he had he had he had a problem with being trolled. But what I've seen this week is him what? trolling. Yeah, Jesus Christ! It's not nice. It's not a nice whole, thing whole, to do. It's all crazy. It's absolutely crazy. Oh I mean, I, I had a great conversation last night with two lads, and it, it was it was quite cathartic. It was quite it was quite reassuring. Dave, uh, can you use words on what? Can you use words I know? What's I well, I can try, you What's know. What's that mean? Cathartic. <laughs> I'm, I'm very relaxed about it, put it that way. Right. But you know what? It, it, it's, this is, as you say, this has been going on with, with, with us and Neil and myself since like sort of 2008 when the NUSC mm. started, 2009. There's, there's loads, of, loads of stuff. I don't want to go into that. It's not. It's 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 been water under the bridge, and it's been it's been something that hasn't hasn't. Uh, some people think it's it's been something that's been nagging me for years, and it's not. It's that there's there's certain issues that that crop up now and again that get, that get my back up. But going back to the going back to the whole fans situation, I, I, the conversation I had last night with with the two lads, um, the content of it will remain. Uh, as as we agreed, you know, in terms of if it was it was private and it was confidential and it was it was very much uh, something the three of us wanted to talk about. But what I can say is that we all agreed that the, the topic of podcast wars came up, and there is no podcast war. What there is, there's a bunch of people who have decided that they will do a wind up of a load of Newcastle fans and create an issue. And I think. Both, both myself and the other two lads I was talking to, both when we talked it through, we both said, you know what, you're right. There's a certain little section that have spent their entire six months winding Newcastle fans up, winding sections of fans here, this section there, taking, you know, building building relationships up with one, trying to destroy the, that relationship that we have with another and moving around. And they know who they are and they know why they're doing it. 
they're doing it because it's kind of it's it's almost like a mutually assured destruction that they're putting themselves into. They're trying to destroy the fan base. They're try, trying to destroy the relationships that that people have built up over years and years. They're trying to create a, an atmosphere um, between you or between me or between Mitch or between between other other fan groups. Um, other other podcasters, other people who do videos, um, whatever it happens to be. And there reaches a point where you think, you know what, guys, if we all got together in a room, rather than being stuck in our bedrooms doing stuff, if we all got together in a pub and we sat down around the table and we started talking about it and we asked each one what their experiences were, we'll find out we all had identical experiences yeah. of what's been happening to us and we'd all be able to point in the same direction of where it originated from. Once we start to join, I'm going to use that phrase that Keith, you, uh, that uh, Liam used, once we join the dots, you'll suddenly see how this picture suddenly explodes. And, and and you identify who the main culprits are, and that'll happen. That'll happen after all of this is is taking place. Um, but there's a humorous side to some of this stuff. I mean, I, I was laughing there. Somebody come up and goes, I, "I'm I'm now channeling me in at Tony Blair." I was actually going to wear a suit jacket and a you know go colourless, but then I thought, you know what, I'll go I'll go old style 1980s German porn star, you know, and I'll I'll try and see if I can look like I've been in the Bundesliga because that's what that's what it's all about this week. We're all channeling where where in our 50 plus one. So I thought, you know what, I'll try that for a change and see whether that gets a laugh. <laughs> thing, <laughs> thing is, you know, thing is, you know, Steve, we, we learned this on the road shows in particular. Yeah. Our fan base works best with engagement when yes. you actually engage. And even when you disagree, if people feel that they're being heard out, they'll actually, you know, say, right, agree to disagree. Now I know where you're coming from. You know where I'm coming from. And that's because of the curious situation that we've got with social distancing, lockdown, et cetera, et cetera. The only means of engagement is electronic. Yeah. And it's not the best means of engagement because you can hide behind a, an anonymous account. You can just chuck allegations around without, you know, without any comeback at times. Um, and certainly a lot of these things, like you've, like, like you've all said tonight, um, if somebody come up to you and said that to you in the pub, well, they wouldn't. Yeah. They, they just wouldn't. Yeah. And, 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 and the conversation would be exceptionally different yeah. or it just wouldn't happen at all. But yeah. it's the key, the key thing that's missing, and this is why me and you bang on about from the club side of things when they start to um, talk to the fans properly. It's about the ways and means and level of engagement so the fans feel included and inclusive. Um, and that's all they need. And, 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 and sort of almost Twitter has become like, a, in particular, um, this bizarre echo chamber where you just hear what you want to hear because it depends on who you follow and where the stuff comes from. Yeah. We, we talked last night between the three of us. We talked about... about the, the fact that you try and set up a fan group or you try and set up like we did with NUSC. And I ran the comparison between what we do or what we try to do and the, the reaction we got compared to Sunderland and it, the Sunderland fans. And the Sunderland fans have always been organised through their villages, through the pit villages. Yeah. Each pit village seemed to have their own uh, supporters club. They had their own bus that would take them to Roker Park. They would have this, you know, there would be another guy who organised the away trip buses from their little village or from their pit village or whatever. And that was kind of 
I, I tried to equate it to that. I was trying to explain my rationale for that was that they worked in the mining community, these little villages. Everybody worked together. You worked, you worked as a team. You played as a team. You drank in the in the club as a team. The village was very, very tight. You had people, you had lines of demarcation when you were down the pit in terms of what your roles, what your responsibilities were, not just to yourself, but to your colleagues. So that so you were used to that sort of somebody organizing stuff. You're used to used to the the the, the, the community when you came back up. When you were work, when you had the weekends, etc., so you had all that. Meanwhile, on Tyneside, we were we were building ships and we were in factories, and we despised the whole idea. And I'm talking historically, the whole idea of being told what to do. Yeah, you've got to yeah. do this. You've got the gaffer. So everybody hated the gaffer. Everybody hated the foreman, the charge hand, the lads who worked in the in the in the in the shipyards. The the plate as hated the riveters, the riveters hated the boiler makers, the boiler makers hated the joiners, and so it went on and on all the way through. So we we were very much a football fan, kind of nobody's gonna tell me what to do at a weekend. I've had enough of that at work. Whereas these guys, the way they they just wanted to relax, they 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 their mindset in those days was attuned to to being, you know, working together, working as a team, playing hard together as a team, going away, traveling, whatever they happened to do. And that, and that those those fan clubs were historic, but we never had that. We never had anyone organize fans. And this goes back to your herding cats scenario that you've always used. Your castle fans, you cannot herd them, you cannot tell them what to do. And it's a, it's a, it's very interesting when you start to like to to sort of break it down to to that level. And we still have now in 2021, we did it in 2008, we've still got fans in 2021 that if you said we're going to organise something and it was going to be a protest, they would go, I'm not doing that. I've paid for my ticket. Or so. It, and this, is, this has gone on all the way through from 2008 onwards. It's I, like nobody tells me what to do. I'm my own man. I'll do my own thing. And that's, that's it. That's... And I don't think we'll ever break that down. I don't think we'll ever get that out of out of the psyche of, of Newcastle United in terms of the fan base. And and, no, and, and, and perhaps, perhaps we don't need to. Perhaps that's that's the free spirits that we are. But we cannot then complain when we cannot organise something, you know. And and it's it's crazy. It's an absolute crazy. I, 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 totally I don't think we should. I don't think we should try and take that away because it sometimes leads to some of the very best things that we can do, and that's the that's the dilemma with it. That's the the, the you know the the real juxtaposition of it all. You, you kind of it does sometimes fuel some of the best things that happen with the fan base. Yeah. Um, do you remember the one that with the somebody wanted to organise? It was either a late walk in or a late or an early walk out. Yeah, um, different we didn't, have we not done both, Mitch? Don't, maybe it's both. both, but both yeah. what, what, one of them had people trying to take it over, and suddenly, within about... The initial idea was brilliant and simple. They're the best. the Absolutely the best things when you're trying to do something like what we've done in the past. Um, and it was great, and I thought it was a great idea. Would have made an impact. Um, and then two or three sort of groups, associations, try to take it over. And then suddenly there was four different messages about where you're coming in or where you're going out and what time you were going to do it and when, and it just dissolved into chaos, wonderful, delightful chaos. Um, and that's that's the fine line you walk with the fan base with that. 
because we both, um, you know, have gone into 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 pubs and clubs and said, right, we're going to do this. Why, like, I'm not going to do that. I've paid for my ticket. I'm going in when I want to. And it just was absolutely bedlam. And what you have to do is you have to get them to buy into the idea and almost feel like it's their idea. And then they take ownership of it and they see where you're coming from and they run with it. And we did that with a couple of things with NUSC. You know, we've talked about the times that we've had, you know, lads arrested, snitched on by other fans for handing leaflets out and all sorts. Um, <laughs> I keep leaflets on. Um, You're getting the blame. Uh, <laughs> I don't get the blame for this as well. I don't, I don't and, then, <laughs> and then, you know, and, and, and that's the way it is. And, and, and that's the problem any new owner has about the ways you engage with the fan base. You've got to have as many possible as many different ways and as many people willing to sit and listen. You listen as much as you have to talk because people need to be heard out. And when you hear them out, that's when they start to get on board with things. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree 100%. Great start of the show, lads. 50 minutes in already. Where does the time go? Um, we've got that many things to cover tonight um, and so many suggestions. <laughs> I think we're going to do one of our uh, regular segments to, uh, to, to, to mix things up. So here we go. Yes, Mitch every week uh, selects a tune look alike. Um Mitch, I'm I'm, I'm going to have to go with yours first because honestly some of the Hi. ones that have been sent this week have been absolutely uh, hilarious and I'm going to have to cover them just to get them out in the inbox. But uh, this was yours. Well, I've been sent this look alike a lot or I've sent been sent different versions of it, but I really think this was the best one and I got sent it by a couple of people this week. Um the, the names escape is, but I, I saw it, and for some reason I thought you as well, Steve. We could add you on as a third picture; it would be quite, yeah, quite appropriate. Yeah, yeah. It could be, yeah. Uh, anybody, anybody, anybody bold, me and Keith again. I've got to be perfectly honest. Like I, again, some of these, some of these, I know um, that I, I've, I've left the tweets on, so we can see who sent them. Uh, this one, got no idea who sent this. Um, and I've got no idea who the guy is on the left. <laughs> but, yeah, thanks for that. It is uh, it is a good one. Um, I, I'll, I'll tend to get inboxes from people now and go, oh, that was me who sent that one. So uh, thank you, whoever sent that. This one was sent from NUFC for life. That's brilliant. <laughs> yeah, it's fantastic, that That's one. brilliant, that uh, well done, Toon Barmy fifty nine on Twitter. Excellent suggestion. Uh, he also, uh, Mark Byers, suggested this. <laughs> Very good. Yeah, that actually looks like me in Rise of the Foot Soldier. So that is quite a that is quite a good one. This one was a belter uh, from um, yeah. the NUFC Mags, yeah. who I believe is online tonight. So uh, yeah, um, that 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 then led to a conversation about potentially uh, Liam doing impersonations, and people saying that Liam would probably do uh, better impersonations than Darren Farley, of course. Um, got sent this one uh, from. Uh, Gibbon IUS 10185. Uh, Peter Lovenkranz and Matt yeah. Bellamy, uh, the lead singer oh. of Muse. It's a good one, that. Which is a good one. But uh, this one is my winner. Um, and this one is uh, not Newcastle United related. I love this. And I, again, I don't know who sent it. Maud. <laughs> was that Maud from Coronation Street? Quality. 
So uh, yeah, some fantastic suggestions. Uh, that's got rid of <laughs> that's got rid of me uh, all of them from the inbox. But uh, keep sending them in. Send them to me, Mitch, to Steve, or to Keith, and uh, we will get them. But thanks for your two up like this. Mitch. I'm just checking out. It was a kid called Joe sent you that one. The one right. the, of, of uh, Shelby and uh, thanks, I, Joe. Thank you, know, Joe. <laughs> Yep, fantastic. Lots of comments coming in. Colin Wilson says, um, I'll, say, I'll say this, when Gary Hoffman joined the Premier League, that's when our troubles began. Whether it has anything to do with Amanda Stavely, who knows? Yep. But that man True. is the head snake. And Stephen Adams oh, says, the, the connection between Hoffman, Richard Keyes, and subsequently the Qatar State is an interesting triangle. The difficulty with the takeover began when Hoffman got shipped in to a prominent Premier League role. So lots of people... It's not uh, a coincidence. Well, people are starting to put the join the dots, as Liam says, on the Keith. You're sticking your thumb up, Keith. It's, you know, that, people are starting to get it now. It's Hoffman. Hoffman came in. We did a timeline. We, we first spoke to the club. We did a timeline on, on when it all started. And when it, we, we got asked the question, when do you think the red flags appeared? And we, we, did, we, we, we have uh, QS working for us in London. And uh, he... he you know, he's worked on this for months. Um, top guy, worked on competition cases, and he put a timeline together. And the timeline pops out and tells you when an event happens. And it came up as when did all the full flavour of it was getting past, it was getting past, it was going to happen, change. And it was Gary Hoffman's appointment. People thought that was June, July. I think it was the 15th of May. Uh, that's when he comes up as a director. But, you know, people send me stuff and say, have you got a copy of Richard Keyes? We've got a copy of absolutely everything. Every single document, every time Richard Keyes farted, we bottled it. Uh, we've got it, and, and if we've got it, the club have got it. Um, so, so, you know, we 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 in there, and we, we, we know exactly what they were doing. Um, and it's not surprising me at all that, that, that the ASL came out. I mean, it was the dirtiest, horriblest campaign. And... and People who know me won't believe I'm going to say this, but I don't want to see Sunderland go bust. And people won't believe I've said that because I enjoyed the derbies and, and you can't get them back. You know, the 5-1 game was one of the best games I ever went through in my life. And so so just going to the derbies means an awful lot, but you don't want to see clubs like Bury and, and Wigan and Table like that struggle. You want to see them all there. And, and I got asked the question last week, who would you rather watch? Arsenal versus Atletico Madrid on a Wednesday night. Or Millwall versus West Ham on a Sunday morning, twelve o'clock kickoff. I take Millwall West Ham all the time, mate. You know what I mean? The passion and the and the hatred and the the venom that's in them games. You kind of buy, and that's what's made English football way ahead of the rest. And and I don't watch Spanish games like some people do, and I don't watch Italian games. I think it's all it's like watching those uh, electronic football games. It's just it's too predictable. But when you watch English football, anybody can win if it's run fairly. But I think that's what the big six have been trying to do. I think they've been trying to, um, you know, make the cash such that nobody can compete. And and, and that's really what we're about, we, you know. It, it was funny, did you see that interview with Gary Neville the other day? We was talking, and do, do you know what I mean, where he was talking to Scudamore? Did not going down this, we're not going down this hole again, are we? Because uh, if we remember last week... What he said, he, he, he came out with something and I made some comment and I uh, got pelters for the second week in a row. Well, actually, I, found, I actually found this. Gary Neville gives passengers the most what you know. Uh, that, was on, yeah. that was on the skybox. Uh, <laughs> but, but Steve, you were the bloke 
You were the bloke on here that said, I want to go and knock the back doors in. That Live. was it. That was it. Yeah, I couldn't remember the comment. But yeah, uh, yeah, I, I'm going to say I didn't watch this video just uh, in case it was that. But um, I'm, I'm, I think it was analysis. Well, what happened is Gary Neville was talking to Scudamore this week, who was obviously uh, predecessor to um, Richard Masters, the other guy. Who, and and he, he, he turned around. Gary Neville was going at him and saying, these people need fining and they need to lose money and they need to lose points. And Scudamore was sort of saying, oh, it's harder than you think. And he said, because I haven't got the job now, I don't feel it's my position to comment um, on the punishments that should be, be given out. And if you watch the tape, it's only five minutes long. It's, it's available on Sky. Gary Neville then turns around and says, well, look, if I go to Mike Ashley, and, and he, he brought the point. He says, so if I go to Mike Ashley and we, and school more taught over the top of him, and he never got the point out. He never got the point that he was going to make, but he wanted to make a point about Ashley and it never come out on the interview. I was disappointed. But again, people in, in you know in the corridors close to this have, have seen that, and they think they think that that's a really interesting um, video clip because in that video clip um, there's intimations that, um, that 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 Masters and Hoffman knew this was coming. If you listen to that video tape, it's only five minutes long. There's the, 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 he intimates that uh, that they knew it was coming, and he, he makes reference that that a couple of days before it does come. They've got to decide what to do. Well, come on. When well, he didn't know, so he could have knocked us over the barn door. On the Sunday night, we were like, what? And, and, and according to this video, it seems as though them lads knew beforehand. And those they had a heads up, it was actually coming. But it's, it's, it's dirty what they did. And, and for me, um, we've got to fight. I'm just pleased. I'm pleased Murdoch Gadusi and um, like Sir Jamie Rubin came out and said, you know, it's not clever, lads, and it wasn't good. And... Murder did a great statement. He said, mm. "He said we custodians, and 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 you know, I know Steve used Steve used a lot of words because he comes from a posh part of Newcastle. But you know, when people say custodians, a lot of people don't raise that's that's it, it equivalently means we, we 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 run it for a while. We don't know we don't we're not here forever. And custodians pass through. So so you know where the fans love Newcastle forever, the custodians will come and go." And, and Murdad Gadusi said that. He said, we, we're custodians and we've got to recognise right. the fans. And, I, and, I, and when, I, when I heard him say that, I thought, he's just pushed legacy fans' phrase right up their backsides because what he's saying is the so-called legacy fans are us for and everybody is listening tonight. We, we're the legacy fans. We're the, we're the, we're the pool because who's been watching this for, for you know 30 plus years. But what he's saying is you are the be-all and end-all and you know if we came in, We'd build a club around you, um, and, and you know, it, it gave me a lot of faith that we, that we campaigned for the right people. You know what? Yeah. You know what's funny as well with, with that. You, you had Greg Clark a few months ago. If you remember, Greg Clark was head of the FA, and Greg Greg Clark came along, and we, we know now that he was heavily involved in the project Big Picture. Heavily involved. Oh, you would say drugs. <laughs> <laughs> and then, if you remember what he, what happened when 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 the story broke. Greg Clark then tried to tear it apart and said that it was bad for football. But he'd he'd been involved and he'd been endorsing it with the with the guys, with the clubs, with the six. But then he came out and it was kind of like, you know, ah, oh, but you know, the FA don't want it, I don't want it. But I think if, if I'm perfectly honest, I think he thought it was a fate of company. I think he thought it was gonna happen and he was covering his backside. Then he made it, then he made a complete massive mistake. By saying something untoward 
um, that really, you know, he, he ended up being forced to resign. That was nothing to do with big picture. So all of a sudden he was out of the way. But but then you also had Parry, as, as Neil mentioned earlier. Parry came on. Parry was pushing for it. He thought it was a good thing. He tried to sell the the the, the lower clubs in one and two down the river. He tried to he tried to convince the Premier League that they could do something with the with the uh, the championship. He tried to convince the government that that they could get anything they wanted through um, by offering. Uh, financial incentives to the lower clubs and let the let the EFL uh, or the, the the championship of the EFL be sorted out by the Premier League. He thought it had it boxed off as well, and he didn't. And the the four the, the fourteen stuck by what they were what they were doing, and the, and the whole thing got thrown out. Then you all of a sudden you had you had the ESL, and that again had been constructed by the same people, the clubs behind the backs of of the of the Premier League fourteen. Of which they're shareholders, so six going against fourteen. Um, the the six took the executives who are paid by all twenty. They took them away, and they convinced them, and they told them what they were planning on doing, thinking that they were going to help them. And and all of these guys in in the last three years have been have been manufacturing oh. this situation to a point where it was going to land on everybody as, as though it was just, you know, it's it's just going to happen. The guy at Perez at, at, at Madrid says it's <laughs> going to happen, so it's going to happen. Agnelli at, 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 at Juventus says it's going to happen, so it's going to happen. It was all being driven by the Americans. They got caught out. They got <laughs> they got stalled. They got snapped. They got done over. And, and the, 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 in, in that greed, that's what it was. When the 14 found out that they got pounced on, and now the power base is held with the 14. We've seen five of the six, because five of the six clubs held executive positions on, on executive committees. They have been removed, which is good. But that 14, as we said last week, that 14 has to stick together and they have to do everything they can to ensure that they now hold the power. They hold the power against the six. The only one of the six that didn't have an executive position, ironically, was Tottenham, and probably because they're run by a board of one, very similar to Newcastle in terms of Daniel Levy. That meant that the, he probably didn't even have the time to get involved in any of those. He was too busy building a football ground that he thought that this organisation and this setup was then going to pay for, and it was going to cover his back for the, the what eight hundred million pound spent on the ground and the four hundred million pound that he was in debt, which amounts to one point one or one point two million pound. So there's all of this been going on, and we've all been we've all been played, and then all of a sudden we get Parry, as you say, Neil, coming back into the equation. And yeah. going, I think we should relook at, 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 at Project Big no. Picture. And in the no. meantime, what we've also got is we've got Boris Johnson stepping in and out and in and out, doing the hokey cokey, not knowing what he's going, what's going on with whether whether the, he, he probably thought that not that that the Premier League were coming in to decorate his living room. Quite frankly, that's what <laughs> you know that you know we're going to have Manchester United wallpaper in the Ben's bedroom or something. That's what he thought. So he gets caught out. He gets nabbed. The, the, the head Woodward gets nabbed. He gets thrown out at Man United. Then he puts up a mere culpa and says, "I was leaving anyway." Rubbish! Were you leaving anyway? There was no chance you were leaving. Not with a pay packet that you were on. No. Not with not with the remunerations that you were on. Not with everything you got that you saved money for Man United. So all of that was happening. So all of this is going on, and then we get the government turning around and saying, "You know what?" We're going to have a governance of football review by Tracy Crouch. And what does that do? That immediately goes, 
wow, hang on a minute, Premier League, you know what we could do? Maybe we should kick the arbitration of Newcastle into the long grass a little bit because Tracy Crouch might come up with someone that goes against what the arbitration panel might have might have wanted. So, you know, the arbitration panel, guys, you need to be careful. And this is my summation. You need to be careful because if Tracy Crouch comes out and says something, you might have to think about that and take that into consideration when you're making your arbitration decision. So it's all serious. of this is going on. And it's no wonder that, that Newcastle United are furious about what's happening. You know, it's no wonder that because we're constantly being kicked into the yep. long grass by the authorities, by the authorities, constantly time and time again. I'm convinced that we're getting kicked into the long grass because of, of the Tracy Crouch and the governance of football situation. Convinced of it. Yeah, I, and I, it's, wrong, it's wrong for Newcastle. But when you talk about Tracy Crouch, I mean, go to my letter... You know, a lot of a lot of people say oh, that badly written letter on the twenty seventh of August, uh, December, twenty seventh of December, right, two thousand and twenty, right, four months ago. I turned around the government and said to Boris Johnson, "You will do a review of English football and you will appoint an MP called Tracy Crouch." He appointed yep. he appointed it four days ago. Mm -hmm. You tell you tell me. I know Mystic Mag's got a, a decent hand with football results. And I've picked three out so far, but. To tell him four months earlier who he was going to appoint, and then to tell him he was going to appoint the FSA, and then to point out, by the way, do you know the FSA appeared for by the Premier League to investigate the Premier League? And by the way, there's the results you're going to get. That's the results you're going to find. And 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 how much does that stink? How much does it stink that some bloke sitting in, in, in Durham is sitting there um telling you who you're going to appoint for a month before you do. So what I was saying to Boris is, I wrote to Boris last week, and I didn't put it out there, because because I, I am I haven't got very much thick skin these days. But I wrote him again and said, said why did it take you four months? Why did it take you four months to tell you what I told you on the 27th of December was going to happen? And there's the results, so why are you even bother going to do it? Because there's the results, you might as well just fast forward to the results. But the other thing is, I said, and what are you going to do in the next four months about the Newcastle takeover? Because it stinks to high heaven what's happening. And the only thing I disagree, I don't, I, I don't know if it's the, the word you used, Dave, is you say Newcastle are going to get kicked in the long grass. Believe you me, um, believe you me, we're not. We're not going to get kicked in the long grass. And, and Mitch, Mitch had a, a, a message today from a decent source saying that, that we're getting into the ribs and we'll keep on getting the ribs because um, there's certain things, there's certain things a football club uh, cannot and uh, and will not do to um, to breach um, legal correctness. But there's nothing I don't have to do. They can send me as many letters as they want, threatening me. But I told you, you know, I, I represent NCSL, and I think there's be about one pound fifty in there. If they want to go and take that, they can have it. And Gordon's gives the nod; he'll put his seventy-five pences as well. So they they can't shut me up, and I know it pisses them off no end that that. You know, one of my roles will be to, to you know, I, I do try and tell the fans what's going on, but I spend more time um, telling the APL what they're doing wrong and uh, questioning what they're doing wrong. And yeah, you know, I think they think I'm the biggest gobshite in the north of England, and I know that I'm very disliked in them areas, and I've had lots of threats off them. But somebody needs to stop them what they're doing, and and, and I'll die doing it because. Um, you know, the ESL that came out was people rang me and said, Jesus Christ, somebody's looking down on you, Keith. Everything you've said has happened. Time is 10. And, and 
I, I don't think it'll happen. I, I don't know if you've realised, guys, out there, 14 clubs. I don't think you've realised because I'm running down. We've had now statements of Brighton, West Ham, Sheffield United and Leicester. And if you put Newcastle's five, that's five out of 14 to come forward and spoken on it. If anybody hasn't seen it, any fans watching this tonight, if you go online and type in um, Sheffield United uh, ESL, there's a, there's a great video there that you could watch. And it's just brilliant ratings. It's like you couldn't make it up yourself. You know what I mean? And then uh, West Ham, Karen Brady come out this week and said that ESL, the owners of them clubs, cannot ever be in charge and make decisions for the rest of us ever again. Mm. And, and you know, she, she's a ballsy woman. And, um, you know, for her to say that, uh, and to me, West Ham are more of a um, top six club than, than Arsenal and Tottenham are at the minute. That's, that's my opinion. I think they play better football. I think they're probably more profitable. I think they've got less debt. And I think they've got a better fan base. I think they're yeah. also a more working class football club, and I um, think they, I think they understand, despite the fact of who their owners are. I think the fan, I think they they understand, and the fan base understand exactly what's going on. And I think that, that that Karen Brady is what she's doing is she's she's reflecting the anger of their fan base, and that's the way it should be. What I'd also add, Keith, is that when it comes to the governance of football, and when it comes to the review and the outcomes of the review. I don't know about any of you guys, but I've I've heard that the outcome of the review will also include the fact that the Premier League's got to be reduced to eighteen football clubs. Eighteen teams, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Now that that has to happen, whether it's ESL or yeah. UEFA that we go with, then the extended UEFA, because the fixtures cannot cannot be fulfilled with twenty clubs in the in no. it. So we might turn around and go. It's an independent review. But that review of that review and the governance of football will include in it the caveat that was thrown at them and being told from the start you must include the fact that the that the Premier League must be reduced to eighteen clubs, you know, and that that, that again, that is that is somebody dictating from the top what should happen, you know. That and so we as fans we might think that we're going to have a fan led review. It's not only fan led review at all, unless the fans who are a part going to be part of the review and are going to be answerable to it later on, are going to turn around and go, well, we think reducing it to 18 is a good thing. Uh, it's a good thing if you're one of the 18 that stays, not a good thing uh, if mm. one of the two that's going to be thrown out in 2022, 2023, or 2024. You know, that's not good. It's it's quite clear that this is all part of a very coordinated drive yes. and a power grab yeah. from those six clubs. Yeah, yeah. They wanted to get Project Big Picture through. That would then... Have taken the voting rights well away from the remaining 14. So they could have gone off and played in the European Super League and retained Premier League status on the back of it because they were calling all the shots. Yeah. People have got to have been enabling that. And the and the people who've been enabling that are the administrators in football. They have to be. Because you you can't get it so far down the line. The only thing that still put puzzles me about ESL. Is what made them go? What was the trigger for them to go off half cocked the way they did? Because it wasn't a, it wasn't a launch. Uh, to, to, that was a blockbuster launch. The website looked like it was made by an eleven year old in his in his IT lessons on a Friday afternoon waiting for the bell to go. Yeah. Um, there was no coordinated communications from them. Um, everything seemed to fall into Perez, and Perez is rather. Twisted view of the world, really. Um, you know, and, and what else were these clubs promised from 
the other clubs higher up the hierarchy in the Super League. It makes you bloody wonder, you know. Um, and it, it's clear from Perez's comments as well that he's been fed a load of information from certain places about how the see the non-legacy fans are consuming football and how they're going to do it. And he's totally misunderstood some of the things he's been told. Clearly see that. Because some of the things he's been told, we've heard over the last two years, Steve, haven't we? Yeah. You know, about you know the, the, the data that Amazon and Facebook collect. They know when you're playing PUBG on your mobile and when you come off PUBG to go on to the match in the background because the commentary is getting exciting and then you go back to your game. Goal or no goal. Um, and they know that. The, that's the kind of data they can collect quite easily now. And, and that's what they're looking at. When they talk about the, the, the newer fans and the way the younger fans consume football, it's that kind of... That's that's where Perez's poncy comment about the games are too long. They're not interested because the games are too long. It's not because the games are too long. It's because they're multitasking. It's because they're doing about six million bloody things at once. And and so it, it it's a different way of consumption. It's these kind of things that have driven it, but I still don't understand why they went off early the way they did. Was somebody about to wrap them out with, with PSG, with their owner's cosy relationship with UEFA and FIFA, about to blow the whistle? There's, there's something driven it, and I don't believe it's COVID because the COVID finances are there. You know, you see some of the, 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 the financial figures that have been published in the last couple of weeks um, about some of these clubs, and, and they are hurting. They're hurting big time. Um, but that was coming, and they would have seen this coming. You know, that could have been left till the end of the season to do it. What's made them go off now? And I think it's because everybody, the heat's on. The heat's on not just on the, the European clubs, but the British clubs, uh, sorry, the English clubs even, because the heat's on, the football administrators, who are genuinely believe, have been complicit in these moves that they've been making and they've known about it and they've been actually looking to assist it because where's follow the money where the football administrators get paid from from the leagues they're part of that which they administer so I'll also would be pushing to see well who's been offered what job where because I'm telling you now some of those names would be very familiar I'm quite sure Harry and Masters certainly yeah absolutely absolutely yeah and you know what? People forget, and the 14 shouldn't forget, that they pay Parry and Masters, uh, they pay, sorry, they pay Hoffman and Masters salary. You know, they are, they are, they're employed by those shareholders. They are 14 of 20, and they pay, they pay for that executive board. They pay for those guys to run the executive board of the Premier League on their behalf as members, as shareholders. Yes, it's a strange situation because you lose your shareholding if you get relegated, and two two teams or three teams come in and replace you. Um, that's it. That it, it's it's an interesting sort of dynamic. But at the end of it, and and maybe maybe these guys are sitting there going, but you know, we might we might be able to bring somebody back in who might support. But at the end of the day, the power lies with the fourteen. And the fourteen, and and I, I think that's what Scudamore was getting at. I mean, I, I said it last week that I wouldn't be fine, and I didn't, I didn't want to. And, and we went into this discussion about Everton and and how the Everton fans saying, well, we were penalised because of Heysel and and such like, and we never got the chance to go to Europe, and fans always get penalised. But I think in this instance, I think what what Scudamore was saying was very similar to what I was saying, which was 
you know what? There's cleverer ways of penalising those six, and they penalise them by taking the power away. You remove their ability to be able to manipulate the situation in the future, and there's no reason why that those 14 cannot bring in rules and regulations that say there will never, ever be a European Super League. We will, anyone who, you know, they could bring in a rule now, tomorrow, or the next time they meet, that turns around and says that if any club decides they want to want to, to go with a, with a European Super League or go to another league, a transatlantic league or whatever it happens to be, they are automatically removed from the Premier League. That's that's quite simple. It's quite simple to draw up. You only need the 14 degree. And then that the government, if the government is doing governance of football and doing it properly, the government should then... Make sure that the rules and regulations that are part of the EPL become sacrosanct. They become signed up and agreed. And then you have the legislation that covers those type of things and gives them the backing, the political backing and the legislative backing to make sure that it can't it can't happen. That's where the two tie up. At the minute, we seem to be going down the line of the, the, the new governance of football will be to, to bring in the German model. The German model is not necessarily the model. If there is a mo if there's part of the German model that you want to pick up on and run with, it's the fact that clubs employ fan liaison officers and they employ a team of fan liaison officers. Right. Those fan liaison officers may be embedded in the football club, they may be paid by the football club, but they're there for the fans. And those fans liaison officers operate independently and they help the rest of the fan base to hold the club accountable. Because at the end of the day, it's not having the 50%. All the 50% does is control what you can do in the boardroom in terms of decision-making for, you know, selling off the football club to somebody else. It's like a blocker. That's all it is. And whether it's 50 or 1%, it doesn't make any difference. The key to it is the relationship that, that the clubs have with the supporters. And you have people who work in the fans liaison departments and, you, and and whether you need four or 14 or 40 or whatever, depending on how big your club is, they are then the people who have the main power, have the main control and hold those people to account. And, and that's when the executives start to listen because the executives realise that they've got a problem if they step out of the line because these guys will then go to the fans and inform the fans of what they're doing and what, what is wrong for the football club. So that's your checks and balances that you put in place. The checks and balances aren't necessarily that you own something. The checks and balances is that you have control, that you have an ability to hold people to account. And it doesn't necessarily need money to do that. It needs it needs balls. It needs, it needs a, a, a relationship that's built up and an understanding from the top that they're going to get hammered from the bottom, if they try and do anything that steps out of line. And only dialogue will give you that. Only communication will give you that. And only a relationship that you build up and and it becomes a two-way stretch. It's a two-way relationship and it's an understanding. And that's where that's the that's the sort of thing that we should be looking at. And Newcastle United could be at the forefront with new owners. It's a perfect opportunity for new owners to come in, wipe the floor, sweep the sweep the brushes out, get rid of the dross. Get rid of the of, of all the chaff that's been hanging around and say, let's see what, what we can do to help you guys, not the other way around. You know, let's let's talk. But you've, you've, 
the way that Mike Ashley's operated in his chimneys and, and in his blindness and his narrow. I thought we were going to get that in 2008 with a British owner, the British billionaire, and bringing Kevin Keegan back, and we're going to have that. But he took bad, bad advisors, and we've suffered from that. But it's time now for us to think out of the box and think of something different and to and to, to, to put presentations forward to whoever the new owners are when they come in that this can work, but it only works when we all buy into it. And we could we could revolutionise football with a little bit of legislation, a little bit of content, but more importantly, a relationship with new owners that works for all. Steve, you're talking about that. You, you, you've articulated about this new league. And we know what the results say. The results of the test they're going to run says that they're going to put 18 teams in. They're going to remove something like the, the what we used to call the cup, call the cup, the league cup. Yep. But if you talk, you you just said that them fourteen teams are in control, and it's all about them now. If you ask any of them fourteen teams, what's the best chance of them of getting silverware in a season and say the cup, the, the, the league cup? Yeah. So so and 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 if you ask a Newcastle fan how much you know, if, like I went there in seventy six against Man City, you got beat two one, but and I went seventy four and and you know Liverpool, and I did prefer seventy fourth FA Cup, but the same token. Is there any difference? And if you know, if you spoke to a West Ham fan, or if you spoke to a, a you know Brighton fan, or you spoke to somebody who support, you know, like quite a lot of the, out the fourteen, surely to God, the League Cup's a big chance to win something. And surely to God, you know, there's seven days a week, and there's there's you know there's Wednesday nights, and there's under twenty three teams as the big clubs have been like, uh, sort of putting people in. Surely to God. You don't have to get rid of a cup like that that's had all that tradition. There's a guy on here, GV Games. There's a few coming down here now. And what they're saying on the right-hand side on the text is, why are you, break, why are you changing something that's tradition for hundreds of years? Why, why don't you... We know they're going to increase the European spaces. We know they're going to reduce the people in the Premier League. But why take away a cup that's meant so many to so, so many people for years and years and years? I don't get it. Yeah, all uh, all great stuff as always. Got to uh, cram a lot into the last thirty five minutes. I've got to say uh, thank you to Spider VPN uh, for your internet security. Just uh, Google Spider VPN takes you direct to the site. Uh, they're top of the listings. Uh, they've sponsored us for the last three months and uh, will continue to do so. Big thank you to Arcot Interiors as well. Uh, there is their website there, arcotinteriors.com. Uh, give them a ring at 0191 or email them at enquiries at arcot.org.uk. Uh, their sponsorship will be coming to an end uh, next month. Also, a big shout-out to John at qtechshop.co.uk, the makers of pool tables and snooker tables in Walls End in Newcastle. Also, the makers of our T-shirts. Uh, and, of course, you can get uh, a look at those T-shirts on uh, the website, uh, including the one that uh, Keith is modelling tonight, the Cult T-shirt, the NUFC Matters Cult T-shirt. Uh, pop on to nufcmatters.com and uh, buy your T-shirts from there. And uh, also a big shout-out to John at Jab Signature. Uh, I'm repping the brand today. Uh, the weather is, is is getting nicer now, so the uh, Jab uh, stuff is on. And uh, John's got a new range coming out just in time for the uh, the local boxing scene to start. And I've spent most of today speaking to uh, a lot of my fighters plotting their next uh, their next fights. Hopefully July the 31st will be the first pro show, local pro show, that me and Phil Jeffries will be uh, putting on. Uh, if you're a 
first time visitor to the channel again amazing numbers tonight over 800 watching 816 i think we've topped that so far tonight brilliant never take that for granted thank you very much for tuning in and spending your friday night with us uh just uh, subscribe to the channel though please it does help it's free hit the newcastle legends logo in the bottom right hand corner and that's it you've subscribed uh please hit the share button um maybe don't do it this weekend if you're doing a social media block but hit the share button that goes to your twitter your facebook your linkedin whatever you've got a link to if you're in any newcastle united groups on facebook share it to there let people know about the show let them know that you enjoy it and it might be for them and hopefully we'll get a few more viewers and a few more subscribers hit the thumb up to like the video that is important and also drop into the comments always plenty of people on there the comments you see on the screen are from the people in the chat it's as simple as that if you miss any of the uh, uh any of the shows jump on itunes spotify podbean all your podcast providers got sent a lovely picture on social media today somebody who goes on an hour's drive on a friday morning and uh, listens to the uh, the supermax show uh listens to all the internet problems that we'll have with malcolm uh, usually so yeah we had two 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 outages last night which was hilarious but uh, we got through it we planned it beforehand and we got there we just lost them at the end uh but uh, always good to have uh, malcolm on don't forget tomorrow no match tomorrow so one o'clock mick Lowe's is back um, lucky Mick Glows, I'm going to call him, because since Mick started doing the shows, Newcastle's uh, fortunes have turned. So uh, definitely going to call him Lucky Mick uh, tomorrow. Uh, we've got Mystic Mag, we've got Lucky Mick. And uh, don't forget, we will be doing a, a match day live from half past one on Sunday. Newcastle United taking on Arsenal, the Malcolm McDonald derby. Uh, tune in uh, half past one to hear uh, the NUFC Matters team Talk you through it. Um, always better than listening to the commentary, believe you me. Uh, now, we've got 34 minutes to get through everything else, so we'll go to this one. My inundated, Steve, inundated. And, and not just, I've got to say, not just on Twitter. Uh, people have been contacting us on Instagram, at Steve Rave. People have been tweeting you. Um, I've had a few on Facebook. Lots of people sending some really funny content. Some of it's a bit near to the bone, so if you're easily offended, look away for two minutes. Um, we did get this one, which uh, I've got to be honest, has been doing the rounds for a while, but it just seems every time Sunderland have a bad runner gets sent, uh, this poor guy on Facebook must get inundated. Where will Sunderland be next? Next year, League One. Uh, the poor bugger get, 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 must get must get loads of inboxes. I got sent this a lot during the week. Um, yeah. That's bloody awful, by the way. Yeah, it is. is. That, that's not a new strip. Please don't tell us that's it's, a new strip. It's, it's part of the leisure way, um, and they've put it together as a something you can buy as a fan yeah, to wait to support. Strips from nineteen ninety, isn't it? Yes, oh, it's, it's it's the three Italian yeah, the, the the first team, first strip, the second strip, and the third strip that they had for Italia ninety, and right. uh, obviously the retro the retro people have put out. The, you can get all three because yeah. obviously they're, they're hoping they're snatching for you know what is uh, is it called Euro twenty twenty that we're having in twenty twenty one? I'm confused yeah, now. I'm confused. It's still, I'm, I'm it's still called Euro twenty twenty. Yeah. Is it? <laughs> Yeah. I've got no idea what we're doing when we're doing it with the international team, um, you know. But it, it's bizarre. Anyway, that was that was sent on other on other social media platforms. Got to got to put this one out as well, which was on Insta. That was brilliant. Um, yes. That was after last week's game. Um, Andy Carroll put it on his Instagram. Him, Mark Gillespie, and Paul Dummett 
getting in the dressing room after uh, getting a 1-1 draw against Liverpool at Anfield. Should have been a 2-1 win uh, for me. Uh, but yeah, what a great picture that was. The Jordy Gillespie. Is Gillespie channeling his blonde version of, uh, of Liam Kennedy there as well? He could possibly be, yeah. Aye. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Very good, though. Very good. Good to see great, the lads. Great, great to see good. the lads like that, isn't it? Yeah, and I saw Andy Carroll. I saw Andy Carroll as he was coming off the as he was coming off the pitch, and he just looked as happy as any fan would. So you know, it's no surprise. Andy's a big fan of Newcastle, um, and uh, great to see that. Okay, Twitter was abound with uh, some some great content this week. Um, we've got we've got quite a lot. I, I think we've got to start with this guy, Steve. Yes, <laughs> this is this is a weird one, isn't it? This this Stephen Klopp. Yes, ha ha. It's got this allowed effort off Newcastle. Oh, blah blah blah. And then the response. I mean, anybody can read the rest of it. The response is like come from a USC Spain. Approve this here. He just goes yeah. there. You were so, brilliant. But it didn't. But it didn't stop there. From no, from no. from the son of Jurgen Klopp. Oh, no, he kept going. He kept going. Yep, he kept going. He was digging himself a grave. So then he puts this one up. All the Newcastle lot coming at me when I earn a hundred grand a week scouting for the club I support <laughs> and have a banger of a missus and this car. Stay yeah. mad. And where, and where was the photograph from the car? It was from some magazine or something, wasn't it? People right. immediately went, "You don't live there. Why is your car right. there?" I mean, his night must have been inundated. And of course, it, again, I, I, I repeat, it didn't stop there. Um, so to the point where he, he was on for about four, I mean, that's what time's that? It's 11 o'clock at night after the game's finished. He's still going on. Good night, everyone, except Newcastle fans who seem to be obsessed with me. As I've said, I'm not really asked that we drew, not one bit. At the end of the day, we got robbed. But as I say, I don't care at all. I literally do not care one bit, mate. So shut up. You know what, Steve? He went on that long that they still never scored. You know that they, they could have they could have played as long as he nutted, and they still wouldn't have to put the ball in the back of the net again. The number of chances that they missed. He went on because it, it goes on again. To all Newcastle fans coming on at me, I hope you all know that I can get all your accounts terminated in the next twenty four hours because that's what I do. I'm a web programmer. Also, I'm sure all you uneducated mug wouldn't want me to come to your ground and knock you all out again. Also, you lot just mad that we are six time European champions. So stay mad, mate. You can stay mad, mate. I remember when I went to St. James's Park and fisted about 30 of you. Now, we're going down that road again. <laughs> um, fisted about 30 of you. Specialist website. Oh, Jesus. And I'm 20 others running, and I'm not afraid to fist again. Did he do that on Gary Neville's special anal... On that channel, yeah, yeah. I, 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 see, that's why that's why I had to continue with those uh, messages. But yeah, Stephen yeah. Club, take a bow, son. Um, this one was a classic, Steve. Um, I love this one. Yes, typical, typical Liam. We didn't expect anything else, did we? You know, if it's going to have a pop in Liverpool <laughs> and we get the praise for it, brilliant. You know, I think. Yeah. He, I'm hoping he shouts that out the next time he's playing in Newcastle as well. <laughs> yeah, we were back. One last, um, one last Liverpool fan. Now, not really for John Morrison's text here, but for Alan Shearer's reply. Deser uh, deserved their fall, but that's besides the point. If this game had ended 6-0, no one would have batted an eyelid. Congratulations, you're one more point from avoiding relegation. And then you just see Alan Shearer laughing and doing the black and white emojis, which is great to see Al uh, having a little bit of interaction. Brilliant. Brilliant. Fantastic. Um, this was one which was uh, from the Casuals directory. 
um, which Steve sent us every town and city in the 80s at 1645. Of yes. course, that's everybody standing outside Dixon's looking for the yes. final scores. Um, watching, so, watching the CFAX go past. Watching CFAX go past and then running down the monument to get the first copy of the pink at 10 to 6. Um, yeah. from from the from the sellers there. Uh, Alan St. Maximin was was on one as well, Steve. Uh, this week. Yeah. Now um, this, this is brilliant. This is the sort of thing you love in it with Alan. You know, I mean, what a what a guy. You know, Fabinho is absolutely no interest in, in a foot race with Alan St. Maximin when he goes, "Ha ha, I'm going to win that foot race with Fabinho after." <laughs> Classic, brilliant. absolutely brilliant. What a sense of humour the lads got. You know. Love that. Yeah. Uh, we've had NG on a couple of times on this uh, on this section, and here he is again. Yeah, aye, another troll. Uh, let's see how the Macams are getting on. Uh, yeah. Be swinger, spawny mags. <laughs> this the love we're doing. What the yeah. love? We're? The, yeah, the, 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 the mate, mate, that's that's from the forum. Uh, when yes. go. and yeah. that that is just. When when I was on Skunkers, we used to call it OTB on the buses because it was just comedy. <laughs> it was pure con comedy. Yeah, and you now know, getting and, the own threads on there. Is Keith Patterson getting oh, a thread on there yet? Is Keith getting a, uh, a one? I've not, I've not had to dig around. I haven't seen ah, them yet. But have a look. See whether Keith Patterson's getting his own. You haven't made it until you get your own threads on there, mate. <laughs> uh, Tony Byrne. Uh, this was a good one as well. <laughs> Enjoyed the show again, Jess. Your plan and reality. <laughs> that was really good. That that's really good. That's like the takeover. That that is the takeover, isn't it? Yeah. That Henry Winter. Now, now Henry, we all know Henry Winter, top class journalist, and uh, he comes. Uh, he comes up after watching the hapless first half defending of this beloved Arsenal football club. The only thing that Daniel Ek will be streaming are tears. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely brilliant, you know. This is this is a guy apparently who's going to buy Arsenal Football Club. You're on Spotify, doesn't he? And uh, he's going to he's going to buy them. He's going to take them all. He's got three three players, and then the Arsenal turned around and went, "I'm not selling." And he went, "Okay, all right." You know, yeah. um, and this one, this 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 is great. This is Doug. I mean, some people know Doug. I, I don't know Doug personally, but we know he's banned. We know the, the, his son's banned, and they're an absolutely brilliant band. Uh, but Doug goes, uh, Glenn Hoddle commentating on the, the Chelsea v Madrid. All of our viewers will be watching the TV, wondering in the players uh, will change their boots in the second half due to the wet conditions. And Doug goes, actually, Glenn, I wasn't. I was licking the chocolate of a digestive, wondering if it would snap. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant stuff. Um, we got we have this one as well. Last couple. Yes, yes. The, the whole city see it, man. Whole city can confirm. It's formally began. The procedures have withdrawn from the Sky Bet League One and joining the twenty-three clubs in the new championship, the Sky Bet Championship. Congratulations to all. Uh, commiserations to Sunderland. <laughs> uh, the winner this week was this one. Yeah. Look at that. The John Gen Eagles riding on the back of another <laughs> <laughs> Neil that uh, Neil John NUSC, that is an absolute belter son. 
<laughs> it was a video, as you can wow. see, of a seagull riding on the back of another seagull. Um, I had to laugh at that. That is uh, that is absolutely brilliant. He's just saving his energy. But he is. He's just saving just saving his energy. But that is uh, that is the. He's moved back into central defence. He's saving his energy. That is our tweet of the week. Now, as you know, Steve Hasty uh, always gives something tasty away thanks to qtechshop.co.uk. This month he uh, is giving away a double room uh, Sunday the 27th of June at the Hotel Divan and you will have been collecting clues uh, over the last few weeks and uh, you are now going to get your final clue and you are going to get uh, a chance to give us your answer. Now, I believe John will be in the chat tonight. Yep. And uh, waiting for the uh, the answer. Uh, Steve, have you got the answer? I no, haven't I haven't got the answer. John's got the answer, unless he sent it to us. Uh, um, I'll have to double check because I've got that much preparation now with all these messages coming in on a Friday. Um, let's have a double check here. No, no I, haven't, I haven't got anything. Has he sent me it? No, he's not sent me the. He's not. He's not sent me who the what the answer is. So, John, you'll be in the chat. Trust, he doesn't trust with Steve. He thinks we're gonna. He thinks we're gonna. We're going to snitch and we're going to give the answer. I don't blame him, mind. I don't blame him. Yeah, I, I <laughs> am just double check. Yeah, it's the last, this is the last. This is the last uh, against against which side did the player that's been suggested score his first Newcastle goal? That's the question. Okay, so all of those clues that you've had, that is going to be. Question against which side did the player that's been suggested score his first Newcastle goal? Stick your answer in the chat, and uh, the first person who gets so the answer through here, people have naming the player, but John's got the answer. People are naming the player, people are naming the whole squad of, of team. Anthony. Anthony Connell has named the team, he has, but he's named a team, so, so is life goals, and so is Andy Burr. Is the player Michael Bridges? Well, we don't know. We'll find out. We'll find out. We'll find out. So, John, John from QTech will will give the answer. He's he's going to give it. I'm just uh, Steve. Will you keep an eye on the chat while I do everything else on you? And just just keep an eye out and see if we've got the exact answer from John uh, when it comes. But thanks everybody for entering. And uh, once uh, we have a winner, we will announce it, and uh, we will uh, we'll obviously sort that out. So we need to look ahead um, to Arsenal uh, before we finish, but. I know you're all sitting eagerly awaiting this. Anthony Cannell, you're the winner, by the way. Uh, well yeah. done. Oh, what yes. was Sheffield, Sheffield Wednesday. Sheffield Wednesday was the answer, was it? Well done. Yep, there it is. Cheers, John. So Sheffield Wednesday is the answer. And Anthony Clennell is the winner. John Justice Allen, uh, his decision is final. Um, and because I've interrupted uh, the uh, the wonderful uh, section that you all know and love, um, just for you, Julie Baker, because I know you're going to get a cat T-shirt uh, very, very soon off John, uh, I will play it again. So yeah, Troll of the Week um, has been quite quiet, as I've said. Not had too much abuse this week. Maybe Keith should have done this section. Maybe Keith should have done this section. But 
Uh, I do have one uh, tweet and I do have a winner. Now, I'd posted uh, after that win, we should have won 2-1. We should have won 2-1. Well done, Newcastle. Well done, Steve Bruce. Tactics right. Subs right. Got a deserved point against the league champions. What a few weeks this has been. Have a great weekend, everybody. Uh, hashtag one love. Hashtag NUFC. That was my tweet. So Grant Ritson puts this out. This effing clown knows nothing. If the penalty was given and if it was scored, it would have been 1-1. And then Willick's chance wouldn't have existed. So how should it have been 2-1? Yeah. <laughs> I'm just trying to be positive, mate. I'm just trying to be positive and you're hitting us with negativity. But uh, yeah, it's uh, it's quite a quiet one, buddy. He deservedly got troll of the week this week. Fantastic, great stuff. Uh, three times the cat's been on the night. That's a record. That's a hat trick for the cat. So well, well done to the cat. So as I said, we will be doing match day live on Sunday, half past one start, two o'clock kickoff. Uh, Newcastle United taking on uh, Arsenal in the Premier League uh, at St James's Park, and uh, slam dunk in the middle of their two-legged semi-final. Of course, they lost two-one last night. Um, you know which. Uh, I suppose in the grand scheme of things, it wasn't a bad result. They were 2 0 down. They got an away goals, but it's a two o'clock kickoff. It's live on Sky Sports. And uh, this, of course, will be the third meeting of the season. Uh, they lost 2 0 in the league and uh, no, 2 0 in the FA Cup, 3 0 in the league, uh, both in January. Um, we go into this game, of course, unbeaten in our last five home fixtures, which uh, con consisted of two wins and three draws. Uh, and, of course, uh, following a 3 2 victory over West Ham. Uh, last time out, which was uh, a great result against the team chasing Champions League football. Uh, interesting then, we have uh, Lascelles, Isaac Hayden, Darlow, Ryan Fraser all out. And of course, don't forget, Joe Willock is ineligible to face Arsenal because that is who he actually plays for, only being on loan to us. Uh, good news is for Newcastle that Fabian Shaw managed to play 45 minutes of reserve team football on Monday, um, which helps his comeback from his knee injury. Um, I think this game might come a little bit too soon for him to be involved, but you never know. Uh, speaking to the press today at the press conference, apart from admitting that he takes his dog to a firework uh, display, uh, Steve Bruce admitted that Matt Ritchie had been carrying a bit of a niggle, had a bit of a calf issue. Um, I've got to be honest, I think he'll be okay. Callum Wilson, um, obviously a lot of people hoping he was going to start. Um, last week he didn't. Um, this is a possibility he could start this game. We'll have to wait and see. Uh, as for Arsenal, um, basically they're coming up here, uh, as I say, after losing their uh, first leg of the Europa League semi-final 2-1 against Villarreal in Spain. Um, bad news for Newcastle was... Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang uh, was on the bench. Um, he did appear briefly at the end of the game, towards the end of the game. Uh, Lacazette and uh, Tierney uh, weren't involved. Um, not a great deal of news coming out of Arsenal today uh, about their team. So we'll wait and see what uh, what happens on Sunday for that. Uh, Mike Dean is referee. Chris Kavanagh is going to be on VAR. Oh Let's hope. God. Let's hope it's a, a completely uncontroversial uh, day on the VAR. We've had enough of controversy with VAR uh, to last a full season. Um, OK, as always, uh, we have our own Stato to give us his views. Hello, amigos. Another Super League opposition this weekend as uh, Newcastle host Arsenal on Sunday. Only one home win at St. James's Park against Arsenal in the past 15 years. 
I was lucky enough to be at the stadium for this one in April 2018. I brought my dad for the first time to St. James's Park and we saw Newcastle winning 2-1 with Ayose uh, Perez and Matt Ritchie scoring for us and probably Islam Slimani's finest hour in black and white. Uh, all in all, Arsenal is, uh, is a very tough opposition for Newcastle at St. James's Park. While versus the other top six, we have 12 wins against Tottenham and Chelsea at St. James's Park and 7 wins against Liverpool and Man City. Only 6 wins since 1993 against Arsenal at St. James's Park. Same number of wins as we have against Man United, by the way. Uh, the good thing is that May is the most successful month for, for Newcastle against Arsenal at St. James's Park with two out of the six wins coming in uh, in May, one coming in April, the one that I mentioned, one in March, one in January and one in December, which was back in 2005 in that famous game when Nobby Solano scored the winner and uh, Scott Parker lost his tooth. So, all we know what to expect, Newcastle entered the game on Sunday with uh, one defeat in eight games and uh, four games undefeated, two wins and two draws in the last four. So I would say we are favorites against Arsenal on Sunday, who should uh, have one eye on the second, uh, second game against Villarreal, and for sure the game uh, will be of uh, much higher importance versus the, the game against us. I expect us to win comfortably on Sunday. Good stuff, confident stuff. Uh, big thanks to Joe Walker as well, who's given us some tune tips. Uh, he sent us an email in again. He says, despite recent good form and the opposition being a little hit and miss, the boogies still have Newcastle as underdogs for this one, which contradicts what uh, uh, Andrea said. Newcastle are 13-5 to the win. Same price for the draw, with Arsenal clear favourite to even money. If you do fancy Newcastle, you can get great, odd, great odds of 12-1 to plus for the win to nil. 8-1 to Arsenal. 2-1 Newcastle looks good at a tasty 12-1. And if you fancy earning Keith Patterson amounts of money, then a repeat of the 4-4 will get you 250-1. to uh, Joe also says that for those of you who fancy a goal fest, odds are just under evens for the over two and a half goals. Uh, Arsenal's big two, uh, Bamiang and Lacazette are favourites to score any time, with Callum Wilson at 6-4. Big Joe, 11-4, and the inform ASM at 10-3. Um, Joe's usual fiver on Clark, the score will uh, come in at 11-1. He's special of Newcastle to win either half is 6-5. In summary, Newcastle are a little more fancied than last week, but still not much change from the bookies. Gamble responsibly all and have a great bank holiday. Cheers, Joe. <laughs> thanks for that, mate, and thanks for your odds. Um, Neil, Mitch, coming to you, mate. Arsenal then. It's uh, it's a winnable game, says Andre, but the bookies have got Arsenal as favourites. How do you see it going? Before I go on, there's a young lady called Samira who's just messaged to say she could listen to Mr. Hasty all night. So I think you've got your you've got oh. a grown base, mate. Grown <laughs> base. His, his last word his, his last would disagree, apparently snows. Oh. Exactly. Um, you know what? This this is very winnable. I watched them against Fulham, um, and the mate, I think five changes because they had European football coming yep. up and they were very ordinary and I think they're going to do the same again they're going to make changes they're good they're probably easiest way now into the Champions League is via winning the uh, uh, the, the, the UEFA the, the Europa League because I, I think the winners now go into the Champions League don't they yep so for them they've got to win two games and yeah. and they're in. And so 
they'll be looking at that league table and, and the the league table looks like a, their, their path to the Champions League through the league is not easy. So I think they've got to have one eye on that second leg because it's vital for them, for their, for their security in European football again. So if they make the same amount of changes and play the way they did against Fulham, that's a winnable game. If we, we play just the same level level of intensity as we did against Liverpool, keep it going, keep our heads up, it's a winnable game. And I never thought I'd be sitting here saying that. You know, um, they, they, they do have a, lot, a, a, a squad now that um, has young talent in it and they're not frightened to use the young talent. We see that with the one we've got on loan. Um, and so they're always going to be... Um, able to hurt a team, but I really do think that I, I, I would be curious to know what their mindset's really like coming to this game, because I'm damn sure they've got one eye on Europe, because if you work it out, that's their their best way in the Champions League is to win the next two games in that European competition. Yeah, okay. Steve, what about you? Yeah, I'm just looking at the league table here. They're sitting in 10th, okay? We've got 46 points. The Champions League position is sitting on 58. That's so the chances, chances of getting the Champions League from the from the from the league games is zero. It's it's probably less than zero, actually, if there was such a thing when it comes to football. So you're you're absolutely right, Mitch. Their only their only possibility of European Champions League football next season is if they win the Europa League. To do that, they're gonna to have to play Man United, who are sitting there with a six-two win. Uh in the first leg yeah. against their Roma. So that's going to be interesting. We could end up with a with a Champions League and a, a Europa League final with both British clubs because we could have Chelsea, Man City, and we could have Arsenal, Man United. Um, it's it's fascinating. Chelsea, you know what? Arsenal, Arsenal are a fascinating club. The way that they've stood, they've dropped like a stone. Well, they haven't actually dropped like a stone. The way they've just slipped off and slipped off and slipped off yeah. for years. The only thing that's kept them going under under Wenger in the last five years of his reign was the FA Cup. That's all they had. Um, they went through that run of 19 times just qualifying for the Champions League out of 20. Um, they're, a, that, that, they're, they're a club that, for me, since since Wenger went, they punched above their weight. They're, they're now, they've now got an owner who... Um, and it's I love it, man. I love it. I love watch Arsenal TV guys melt. I, you know that this is this for me is the, is the, is what's great about about the social media um, aspect of the way that they're going on. It's it's great to watch a London club melt down like they're melting down. Watch their fans melting down like they are, um, because they've they've for for as long as I can remember, they've had this capacity to just convince everybody that they have to be there. They're Arsenal. They don't have to be there at all. No. You know, I, re I remember. I remember us being at the top of the league and Arsenal being at the bottom. You know, even back in the seventies, Arsenal were nothing. You know, they, were, they You know, they've gone through. They've gone through phases. They've, they've they've perpetuated this myth with the FA Cup, with the fourteen wins that they've managed and all that type of thing, uh, building that super ground and all that type of of of, of commotion. You know that. The rivalry with Tottenham, I, I couldn't care less. I, I'm I'm delighted to see them in tenth. I wish they were in. I wish they were in twentieth, quite frankly. Um, and and there's a few clubs that I wish they were just hovering around them as well. But, you know, they're, they're a 
for me, this this game is is not just winnable. It it it's 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 beyond that. I think I think it's 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 there for us. We 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 should be going out there with full of confidence that they're gonna they're gonna try and go and win the the Europa League. They're gonna fail at winning the Europa League. They're not good enough to win the Europa League. They're not good enough to as a team to be or as a squad or with a manager to be in the in the Champions League next season. No way. There's there's far better clubs that should be in there, and this is the myth that the, 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 that the fans are now screaming about. And you know what? They they would be the first set of fans that would have a go at us. First set of mm-hmm. fans would be pointing the finger at Newcastle fans and saying we're deluded. They are the most. They are the, as London fans go. They are the and most. Deluded fans, you know, absolutely are the most deluded fans. They are. They are. They're. I remember back in back in the, in the in the late nineties when we got the cup final and the way that they treated were and their attitude towards were and all that type of thing, you know. And I, it's it's something that's stuck in my memory about the way that they went on. And I and want I want them to feel miserably. They they hounded Wenger out without yep. understanding that that man kept them going into Europe year in year out and having to sell his best player every year because of the way they financed the ground. You know, and, and, and they just ignored that, ran roughshod over it because they weren't happy about one or two things. Well, they've got what they wanted and see where you are. Yeah. They're headed for yeah. headed for their worst league finishing years. And and yeah, and and so I'd I'd quite like to see what thump them to be fair, but I doubt that'll happen. But you're right about the fan base and we, and, and we get pelters for going on the way we go on. Look at some of those knackers you get on the bloody Arsenal fans' TV. Jesus, the way they behave. How weird, man. Some of that's put on. Some of that. Some of that's absolutely put on. There's no doubt about it. Some of these the, the reactions and that it's just ridiculous. Um, but that's the way it is. Unfortunately, that's 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 the. Not everyone can be real. Do you know what I mean? People are just playing up with the camera. Bizarre. Yeah. Keith, what about you, Mystic Mag? Everyone wanting to know what your prediction is. Um, we'll come. We'll come to the predictions as well from from uh, Mitch and from Steve. But what what's your prediction, mate? Um, if I was their manager, I would drop Bori Bayang tomorrow and I would drop Lacazette because they've got to beat uh, Valencia. They've got to, they've got to win that game. Um, I took I took a coupon which is still running this week, um, and I, I was given a five pound free bet off somebody, so I took a coupon and I put fourteen teams on it, and it pays two million. Um, and it, and it, that would be your laugh, your laugh. This is the bloke who'd spent two pound, two pound on a Ladbrokes coupon. I uh, got seventeen out of twenty right and got thirty one thousand nine hundred fifty pound back. And the eighteenth team went down, and the nineteenth and twentieth won, and I'd have won a million off that two quid. So the five pound that William Hills gave us this week, I put it on a coupon, and the first gear, what, what the first fixtures I put, I put Arsenal to score and get beat. Uh, of of last night, and I got eight eight five or something some stupid odds like that. And then there was another game when Man City played, and I took them to um, both teams to score and Man City to win. And so so the the, the bet runs on, and, and and there's four more results still gone. So I, I tend to do them. It was a free fiver on this bet. Um, I don't really want to predict anything. I'm three out of three, and I just. Think I, <laughs> reputation. I might just want. I just want to say, come and take us now. You know what I mean? Get some balloons on us, take us up heaven, and I'll just go up there as Mystic Mark. 
Because, like, I'm like, I'm a nobody bloke. But all of a sudden, I'm like, I'm, I'm the one that loses like the hate. I'm the bloke who's had three out of three. And you know yourself that one day it's going to go down. But this was the one fixture when I saw Newcastle at 10 to 3 to win. I mean, I've backed them. Um, it's one fixture I think we will win. Um, and I don't want to mislead anybody. Um, I'd love to say, I, I, somebody in my brain says I see Newcastle um, turning on them. I can see him playing a load of youngsters. But if you played youngsters at Arsenal, don't forget, it's the likes of Willock that they're going to play. So their youngsters are really good players and they're all playing to prove something. So, so be careful when you talk about Arsenal playing a week inside. There's no such thing. Um, I think the fans are deluded. I think anybody that wants Wenger out is a Wenger, really. Um, the, 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 he was brilliant for them and, and you know... People want to bat in Newcastle. I'd have loved him at the time. I'd loved him to come here. But right now, I think Newcastle will win tomorrow. And me heart's saying 4 1, but me brain, me prediction is 2 1 in Newcastle. 2 1, yeah, I'm going to go 2 1 as well. What about you, Mitch? What's your prediction? I think Mr. Penman's 3 1 regular bet might be in danger of coming in this weekend. <laughs> yeah. 3 1, okay. What about you, Steve? You know what? I, w I was going to say three-one as well because not just because of Stewie Penman, but I thought that that if if we've got Wilson back tomorrow or on Sunday, then I think that we've we've got the opportunity to to have goals. I I do think that the some of the players that he didn't play on Thursday night won't also appear the likes of of TNE and people like that. And I think that a defence is suspect, and I I feel as though. That we could, we, we're up, and you know what? I watched that watching last week's game. We were all over the place at times. The look went with, but I think that there's a belief among the team, and I, I, I'm going to go with Stewie's three-one. Yeah, I'm going for the cautious two-one, just in case Richie's injured. I think if Richie plays, I think the three-one could be a possibility. But if Richie, if Richie's injured, I, I, that, well, who's a big player? He's been a huge player this last yeah. few weeks, and he's, he's turned the form. I've got to, I've got to, um, I've got to read this out, Keith, and I'm going to come to you on this because we did talk about Burnsy a little bit earlier, and he has been a bit of a, he's been a bit of a vexation to the spirit, shall we say, this this week for you. Um, I, I did. I've, well, I've given him a chance to come on the show, mate, um, and he unfortunately can't make it on. Um, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna give him the, the the decency to read what he had to say anyway. And he said, if Keith was nicer to people and started tweeting folks in a respectful manner, I'd have no issue with him. His attitude's baffling at times. It's almost as if he wants folks to dislike him, like he enjoys it. I completely and utterly disagree with the way he speaks about the trust and the pledge scheme as well, especially as they have never slagged his scheme off. He says, you can also add that I've seen multiple tweets where he's spoken about me without mentioning my name, but is clearly referring to me. It's insulting, disrespectful, and I wanted to stop. I've seen his tweets referring to me over the past few weeks, and for what? Because I have connections, hear things, and pass things on. I deserve to be mocked. Right, I've read that out. Listen, I've read that out because I believe in having a right to reply. I offered him an opportunity to come on, Keith. He's, he can't do it for whatever reason. I'll leave you with a final word on that. And, you know, you don't have to, mate, but I just wanted to, you know, I just think it's right that these things get sorted out and we can park it and move on because we've got bigger things to, to, to discuss and, and on this show, you know. You tell people that you've got connections. So why did you tell people that Elliot Anderson was going to play for Newcastle when he didn't? 
then you tell people that Newcastle are going to get the takeover on the 2nd of February and it never happened and you made up the 12th of July and the club said to me you might as well said the 12th of never all I've got to say to you son is is when you pick on people do your homework find out what the people are about find out what they've got behind them and find out who has got connections the difference between me and you is I don't guess I don't need to I'm here for a purpose to take over nothing else if I upset you on the way I'm sorry but at the minute, listening to you, it's obvious I live rent-free in your head and you need to get over it. <laughs> there we go. I did say that you can have your say, Ben, and uh, good luck to you, mate. As I say, I've got nothing, I've got nothing, um, you know, I can only speak as I find and I enjoyed spending time with you and I did enjoy listening to you, your other stories about things which weren't related to the takeover, which we'll leave there. Uh, but yeah, look, happy days. Uh, great show tonight, as always. Thank you, everybody in the chat and everybody who's watched. What an absolute belter. Um, it, it, it never ceases to amaze me how many people watch on a Friday night. We're, we're really thankful for it. I am back tomorrow, one o'clock in the afternoon uh, with Mick Lowe's. Uh, that'll be a, a great hour. And looking ahead, of course, to the Arsenal game, which we will be covering on uh, Sunday. And then we will be back with Ladies Night next week on Monday. And last week, I did try to show you the trailer for the new documentary, which um, I said was coming out. And it's coming out uh, later this year in June. It is crime-related, so if uh, you're not that way inclined, you can switch off now. Uh, but it's something I'm quite proud of. Somebody approached me to do a documentary on my story um, about the relationship that I had with a very famous criminal duo in London. Uh, thanks for watching. Take care, guys. I'll see you next week. Cheers, everyone. Cheers, lads. Take care. Hostilities will end officially at one minute after midnight tonight, Tuesday the 8th of May. In post-war London, two promising boxers thrived as they rose from the ashes to become the most feared brothers in British criminal history. But in 1969, they were both sentenced to life in prison. This is the story of a young man's friendship with them in their final years. His friendship with Ronnie and Reggie Cray. They were associating with celebrities, you know, beautiful woman on Reggie's arm. They drove fast cars, they were involved in bars and nightclubs. It epitomised everything that an influential 15-year-old mind on Tyneside would really want in life. They fascinate a lot of people. Wow, I've had a letter from Reg Cray, you know, it was like a prized possession. He did say, I'd like you to go and see Ron. Well, I think that instills a bit of fear into somebody when you know anybody's capable of doing something extreme. He turns to me and says, I need you to get rid of Kate. I knew I was sitting in front of someone who was a serious, serious character. They weren't bothered who they'd hurt and they were just prepared to go the full hog. You get killed. There's no easy way out of that one, you get killed. Of course, they were feared, but there's two sides every story. They were from an era where they could be absolutely ruthless. The thing about the bad guy is he never knows he's the villain of the piece. He thinks he's doing right no matter what he does. But had they been out and people been able to see him no one would have respected that. I'm close to getting out there. Four and a half decades. It's going to take me six weeks to visit all the fucking graves. <laughs>